So, this week, I'm uh, minding my own business, hanging out, and I come across the Reddits, if you will. Um, and there was a post about something, well, there was a post about something, and it immediately caught my attention, I had to share it with Charlie. And because it's food-related, I know Charlie always likes to get at me about it, especially considering his stance on Pop-Tarts and the previous discussions we've had regarding that. Um, apparently, and there's a Wikipedia article regarding this fact, um, that Uncrustables, the PB&J delights that you would get from the store, or sometimes for field trips in a brown sack, bring you happiness and joy and good times, um, is technically both a ravioli and a dumpling. And Charlie had some thoughts. And instead of just letting letting the world be deprived of these thoughts... Uh, oh my, okay, you know, so I... Uh, text chat? The man that texted you back <laughs> about these thoughts, Alex... Yes, uh, th- th- this person no longer exists. That, that was a pre-Bella Thorne ruining OnlyFans version of me. <laughs> I've, I've matured as an individual. There are bigger problems out there that require my rage-focused attention on, and I'll... I'll I'll just pull this one down to, you're wrong, Wikipedia is wrong, the Uncrustable is two pieces of bread, I would blow, uh, the, the difference between a ravioli and a dumpling is a ravioli is two pieces of dough sandwiching a kind of filling of some kind, typically a meat or a cheese, and a dumpling is kind of one piece of dough pinched and twisted to make the pocket around it. An Uncrustable is made from two pieces of, I think it's technically supposed to be bread, but I've never actually eaten an Uncrustable, so I don't. I have no first-hand experience on this one, so it's a ravioli, not a dumpling. Wikipedia's wrong, everyone else is wrong. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just simple cultural logic at this point. Alright, so what about, like, the uh, like Chinese meat bun? Which, it can, Crestable looks a whole lot like a, like a, like a Chinese uh, meat bun, if you've ever had one of those. Right, but also they you call are it a meat very bun, not bready. a dumpling. What's that? You call it a meat bun, though, and not a dumpling. But is it, so, would it be, uh, see, the thing is, it reminds me, that's what the sandwich, Uncrustable Sandwich actually reminds me a lot of, because a- looking at the manufacturing of them, it actually, yeah. right, looking at it, actually looks like one piece of bread, almost, that's kind of weird, like, it's not actually, no, no, if you get up close to these, uh, I, I did some research into this, because I'm a monster with too much time on my hands. Like You can see the dividing line on the side of where the two pieces are put together. Also, you can buy the home Uncrustable kits that are essentially like a button punch that you put a sandwich into and you slam down. It kind of merges two pieces of bread around a center of goop. Well, you know what's even weirder? All right, so I'm looking at the picture of the actual Smucker's Uncrustable. It's crimped. Yeah, it's crimped like a uh, like a uh, like a Cornish pasty. Yeah, like which is it also a pasty or is a pasty a sandwich? I don't know. Uh, what a and pasty ravioli is, technically. I... So it sounds like it's a dessert bun. It's a PB and J bun. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna go so far as the uncrustable is just wrong. Like I, it's you leave uncrustables the fuck alone. I. I, I... I will go to bat hard for Uncrustables to shouldn't exist. They are technology abuse. You are everything f- wrong with society. They are food science gone amiss. They are creating something that they know idiots will buy and marketing the hell out of it. And here we are having this conversation. 
you what is it with your hate with pastry? Well, like you first have a, off, you have a distinct hate. Well, well f- so first of off, the layering variety. of the jelly to peanut butter inside of an uncrustable is wrong. <laughs> Wait, what? So if you look at an uncrustable cut in half, you'll notice that it goes bread, peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter, bread. That's incorrect. You should not have a pocket of jelly inside of your peanut butter. That's just common knowledge. It should go bread, peanut butter, or jelly, peanut butter, or jelly, bread. There's no, there's not five levels acceptable in this. It should be four, as God intended. Does that mean that it's a double sandwich? It's the tres leches of PB and J. It's a sandwich. It's like a sandwich inside a sandwich. Tell you what, sandwich being. Peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter. Tell you what, so I, technically I will a jelly it's sandwich wrong if you want to put inside of a larger on, sandwich. Yeah, if you want to put two, if you want to two slices, of, if you want two two breads with pieces of pe- um, with peanut butter on them, and then spread jelly on one of those pieces like a fucking animal, and try and lie to me that that wasn't wrong, and you need to go shower afterwards. I'll concede that even that part of this is maybe fine, but until you do that. No. First of all, I've watched Great British Baking Show, and they always want to see the layers. So if anything, the fact that there is a distinct cutoff between the layers of PB&J and there are. all that, yeah, distinct, that means it is a good, well-made uh, Again, looking piece. at this in profile, it just looks like someone kind of like spray-painted the edge of the bread with brown to make it look like peanut butter. <laughs> Well, it looks good enough for me. So, I, and I don't know. I, I just think you have a special distinct. Can we get the food scientist in on this? He, he, can, he can probably weigh in on this. Can we get him to weigh in? Because I feel like we're just going to go in circles here. So, I look this up. Okay, so when do you two think the Uncrustable was introduced? Um, I will I don't find know. out. Eighties. All right, we got but one guess for the eighties. Um, I, I haven't looked up. I haven't looked up. I know when it was first put up by Smuckers. Two thousand one, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, this isn't okay, some so hollowed 90s. American tradition. This is some almost. This is some millennial buzz bullshit that some companies like. How do we trick people into buying frozen peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? What if we cut the crust off for them? Yeah, idiots will buy that. This is the future. It's future food, okay? It's like dipping dots to ice cream, okay? <laughs> yes, and dipping dots failed. Because they didn't advertise properly. If they were making something like PB&J ice cream, then maybe. We need to stop this. I just found out that Uncrustables makes a taco bite version, and I want to go throw up. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. Oh, this is great. Oh, I'm physically ill now looking at this. There, wait, hold on. I gotta look at this. It's Uncrustables taco? Taco bites. Taco bites? There they it's are. It's a totally different pocket. I, it, oh, God, I need to go be sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Charlie? You, you don't want to bite down in your dumpling and get freaking beef crumble? That bullshit might actually be a dumpling, seasoning? I think. I, I don't know what that thing is. Like, It's a totally different profile. I... It's the fat that appears to be resting, and I know it's not supposed to be chocolate, but it looks like it's resting in a pool of chocolate on the box. And I'm just like, taco plus chocolate sounds like a fucking nightmare. 
The best part about it is when you look at the of the same site, it's available in three counts. Six sandwiches. What the fuck is it then? Is it a sandwich? Is it it's a, a sandwich. Is it ravioli? or sandwiches. What is all this? Uncrustables are considered sandwiches. <laughs> That's how they're like described. Uncrustable sandwiches. Can you imagine going into your bag and be like, oh, cool, mom got me some Uncrustables, and you don't bother to heat it up and you just take one fucking bite out of it, and it turns out you've got fucking taco meat and cheese and sauce coming out of you? I... Can you imagine the betrayal of thinking you were getting PB and J and a bunch of cold taco meat and everything else? I really your... need to go throw up now. This... <laughs> <laughs> This is what causes people to become evil on the internet. Is well, so and, betrayed and here's the issue: you're thinking of this as someone of Hispanic descent who lives in Los Angeles. I'm thinking of this as someone who grew up on the East Coast, surrounded by white people, and what we think taco meat is. And I guarantee, what we think taco meat is is not as good as what you're imagining. <laughs> so. You know the best part? Are you looking at their website? Where it says smuckersoncrustables.com, whatever? You are? Yeah. You should scroll down and read those reviews. No. It's going to make you even more sick. No. <laughs> you Can't need to make scroll me. down and read these fucking reviews. Sort it from to. highest to lowest. Sort it from highest to lowest. You need to read these. I... <laughs> <laughs> These taco bites are great for your kids' lunch. Just put them in the microwave for 60 seconds. Uh, Customers are filled with beef, cheese, salsa, and taco season. Easy to use as a take-and-go snack. Response from Smuckers. Glad you're enjoying our new taco bites and find them convenient, too. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast camp looks like I have to go dry heat for the next four hours. <laughs> <laughs> episode 217 i am back i have arrived things are well don't you fucking dare mention the shadow realm i'm back from the shadow realm ha <laughs> ha mm-hmm. yes um yeah welcome guys it's uh yeah we are the wicked awesome cast uh it's a full gang regalia here today we've got charlie aka mordak undivided did you end up changing your username yet? Or I don't still... fucking know anymore. I... <laughs> it's uh, Mordak were... on Twitch, Mordak Undivided on PSN, Mordak most other places. I don't know. <laughs> and then we have the man with not one but two names. Uh, it's Henry, a.k.a. Kraken Zero, also known as Nomad Har. Hello? <laughs> 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 like, oh, here's the uh, hi. <laughs> the lead up to this uh, broadcast has been a thing. Yeah. Yeah, we are the Wicked Awesome Cast, uh, here to bring you some news, whether it's good or bad, on the gaming side of the, I guess, front of things. Um, I was out last week. I actually had woken up with a really gnarly fucking headache, so. Yeah, you feeling was, better? Uh, Oh yeah, no, I'm doing better. I ended up just having to sleep off a lot of it. I I woke up that morning, I was like, yeah, this ain't happening. So I went, grabbed some aspirin, drank some water, texted you guys, and went right the fuck back to sleep. So, um, but yeah, no, I am I am better now. I've got got some good rest. 
got my water. We're doing all right. So, um, here I am now to ruin your week with horrible World of Warcraft news because we've got World of Warcraft news this week. So, <laughs> although very Yay. brief, but not enough for it to be a news thing. But I'll just kind of talk about. It's not it. so much news. It's more like shit you're running into as a player. Yeah, I guess that would be a better way to put it. So. But it's not um, that much Destiny news for how much we talk about that. It's more just like me and Henry are being like, man, this Destiny shit is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, but yeah. So uh, let's 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 talk weeks. I want to know what you guys have been up to. I haven't seen you guys in like two weeks. I've missed you guys. So what's going on with you guys? I, uh, do you want to go first or should I, Henry? Um, uh, I'll go first. Maybe mine's a little shorter. Um, because I didn't really get up to much game playing, to, to be honest. Like, um, I still play KOF All-Star pretty regularly. I've, and honestly, like, I've gotten fairly lucky in getting the characters that I want. Um, there is definitely a, a massive, very clear tier list in it, I'll say that. And, like, and, and there is a competitive in KOF All-Star, if, people weren't aware uh there is a a pvp mode for it and it's terrible <laughs> because it's pretty much ruled by like five characters is it pay to win levels of terrible or no 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 no. it's it's that's the thing it's like it's one of these things where if you just take the time to grind out at all you will end up with enough of every type of currency and thing you need to just compete with the top and best or whatever Plus, there are ratings, like, like a, as far as, like, when you start leveling your character and adding things to them and equipping them, their characters, it they get a rating off of that. And then you can try to match up with people that are rated at least very close to your team rating. So you get, you can end up with fairly even matches. So even if you haven't taken the time to level up as much as others, you can still find, like, an even match. So that's one thing, like, that exists. There is a rating system to rate how much, you know, how much how much time you've put into leveling a character or not. And they just added another tier of that, uh, like, a, about a mm, couple of months ago, I guess, at this point. So, yeah, uh, yeah, the PvP actually, but it is pretty hard ruled by there's like five characters that just are really really good that are that are uh, and I have and I have most of them I think I'm I think I'm only missing one of the sort of top tier characters right now but like like Lady Zero is and Zero are both just stupid powerful in any meta um <clears throat> Um, Nameless is very powerful. Uh, Ignis is very powerful, um, and you'll see. That's the yeah, first you'll name see you those... mentioned on that list. I recognized off the top of my head. What's that? Ignis. <laughs> yeah, as the basically, it's kind of going with the well-known SNK bosses thing, where it's like it's pretty well known that SNK makes their bosses in in the actual KOF and artifacting games and stuff like that. Stupidly powerful, just dumb powerful, just way, way over OP, especially when it comes to King of Fighters. And yeah, surprise, surprise, the bosses are like some of the top level characters in the meta. Like it's pretty much ruled by, uh, by about four, 
four bosses and a few other characters. I can't remember, does King of Fighters have playable bosses after you beat them, or are they locked away because of broken um, reasons? They're usually locked away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, mainly because, yeah, they're they're kind of... The bosses are meant to be able to take on an entire team of three. So that's that's why they're kind of OP. Instead of there being sort of a boss team of three characters, there's just like one boss, but powerful enough to take on three That's characters. what I was remembering. I wasn't sure if I was remembering correctly. Yeah, I, I remember being okay with that back then, because they, like, unlike some other games where you could get access to them, it's like, no, 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 these things are not for play. Yeah, but unfortunately in All-Star they are. And, yeah. oh, wow, like, but not all of them, like, not all of the boss characters are super-powered. But if you like Nameless and Ignis are, they are definitely that powerful. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, but I usually don't do the PvP in that. I just do the. I, I find the PVE pleasing enough to just do on my own. Um, but yeah, so I've still been kind of playing that pretty regularly. But that's a casual game. I can just hop into it for a little while, play it, and then not play it. I've been uh, so I'm still I'm utilizing the the one the 100, and I used it to get a uh, whisper of the worm catalyst, and I'll be working on finishing off that catalyst because there is it is a power I guess that's that's worth getting the box breathing for it but yeah mm. but at least I can say it's something I need to do now because that's one of the things yeah. that's going to be vaulted. Like, for sure, Vaulted is Whisper of the Worm, getting it in the first place, and the Catalyst. Well, because I was getting off. Vaulted. Yeah, and getting and getting the Catalyst. And the same thing applies to uh, another, uh, well, I guess I may or may not spend time trying to do it, but, like, the Sword World Line Zero requires Mars to finish its Catalyst, but, yeah, I, d I don't know if I'm going to do that, to be honest. Yeah, I finally got uh, around to getting Polaris yeah. Lance and so, Lines. Yeah, last it's night been cool time. using. I'd like, I'd like to do a Leviathan run through 101 one of these days. That's one thing I may try to do actually this next week if I find the time to to block out a large period of time is do Leviathan. Let me know what night you want to get getting, that set up. That's on, getting vaulted that too. That. That's that. I I can sherp a Leviathan. So if you can find enough of a group, there's not enough PC players in my clan necessarily for Leviathan. Because Leviathan is mildly reviled for a very specific set of reasons. Well, yeah, I mean it's it, well, it's long, and uh, it's not so much that's long as that's glitchy. Like Last Wish is longer than Leviathan is, but it doesn't mm. have freak out moments like Leviathan does. Mm. But yeah, uh, so but yeah, it's it's being vaulted as well. So I'd like to you know see it and experience it. So yeah, uh, well, I, I assume that you are on the 100 as well. Yeah, I'm around. I we should do the friend request thing on that thing so I can see when you make events and actually jump in. Yeah, it's I've actually started using the 100 again too to kind of knock out some specific stuff that I feel bad dragging my clan through. Hmm. I'm guessing you've utilized that for trials. No, uh, it's. I guess to kind of jump to me for a second, I I'm playing Trials and Destiny again for whatever reason, like we. I, right now, there's so part of the moment of the Solstice armor stuff is you have to play Trials. So as a result of that, I've had an okay time actually getting my clan to run Trials after 
that is over. We'll see, I guess. But yeah, I don't know on that one. I maybe in the future. I, I it's the weird one because at least with my clan, no one's expecting to do well at trials. We're just kind of like, yeah, we'll show up and what happens happens. With strangers, it's like we. It's like it's the you never know how hard a try hard you're getting in that case. Where it's like, no, no, you should yeah. try hard to win. But like, I, I'm not looking to get upset over trials losses. Like people fuck up, people, bad mistakes happen, and at least in trials, if you're playing with people you know well enough to like have to get a clan with them. And no yeah. one's got, no one's got like rage quit. It's like, oh, you fucked up. It's like, yeah, I, I fucked up. I fully admit to this fact. Like this last week, I I used my super at the wrong time and just fucking wasted it ultimately. And it's like, ah, we could have won that run if I hadn't just completely botched it on that run we just did. But sorry about that, guys. It doesn't go over so well in random pickup groups. People can be fine, but also you never know, like, that one quiet guy who just suddenly like, erupts through a volcano of rage where it's like, I can't fucking play with you, Rando! Storm off! <laughs> yeah. Trials brings out the worst in people. Yep. Yeah, outside of video games, though, I've also... I'm still watching uh, Gintama, and I just finished with the first season. First season is 49 episodes. And... It's a ride. It's, I mean, it's, it's really weird. Like I said, it's, it rides this line where it is satirical, it's parody as well, parody of like types of shows as well as very specific shows. Hmm. Um, sat, social satire in general and satire on like just sort of Japanese culture and like cultural norms and things like that. And then it's also, uh, self like very kind of fourth wall breaking a lot is they talk about the show itself as being a show quite often like the entire first episode of the second season is spent talking about the show as a show mm. as what they're doing as a show and it's real weird because then you'll have episodes that veer off into seriousness like pretty serious plot lines and serious ongoing character arcs and stuff so yeah the combination of all that is just i it's weird how they're able to juggle it and it's still like a good show that yeah it it went for like 350 plus episodes ultimately so i mean it this weird kind of mixture of Things that you would see as very disparate, not being able to work together, somehow work together in the show. I, I can't explain it. Because I, I don't... It'd be hard... Yeah, a, a show that breaks the fourth wall often is an obvious satire and parody of other shows at other points, but then also has, like, serious ongoing story arcs and character arcs. It's kind of, yeah, bizarre. It's... yeah. It's definitely a ride, and I, it's, yeah, I can see how it just kept getting, uh, renewed. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, real weird. But, honestly, I think it, I'd, I'd recommend it as a show. I think it's very entertaining. I think it'll be a lot more impenetrable if you're not super familiar with, if you're not, you know, have a, at least some familiarity with sort of Japanese customs and cultural norms. It's a Japanophile if, show. Um, or, you know, and other, and also kind of a somewhat broad knowledge of other popular sort of, like, pop cultural references as well, like, specifically, like, other cartoons, other anime, and 
uh, other like live action things as well, which it references. Um, yeah, uh, so that I think makes it a little bit more impenetrable than say even you know like say if you watch Naruto or One Piece, which yeah. I mentioned them because those are also very long running shows. I meant Japanophile is like it's it's got a cultural relevance that like it's assuming you know the culture. It's at least referencing as opposed to just being like hi here's our own thing yeah whereas like yeah one piece you can kind of hop into it and you don't really need to know anything really need to know much about japanese culture to hop right into one piece i think naruto is a little more in that because there is more about sort of at least a version of japanese culture that's happening in that show whereas one piece you know the obviously it's written by you know, Japanese people and animated by Japanese people, so there's going to be some there, some cultural relevance there. But yeah, I think Gintama is harder for an international market. I mean, the only, I think the only reason I get it is because I did live in Japan for years, and I, and I don't get every reference, though the subtitles do make a point to show what they're referencing, actually, which is kind of, kind of neat. Because I don't get everything. I honestly don't get everything, but a lot of it I do, but that's because I live there and I watch Japanese media. So, but yeah, that's that's the weird thing of the show, too. Like, it's not going to have wide international sort of popularity because it's there's too much about it that requires a lot of sort of in-knowledge. Whereas, yeah, I can see why Naruto and uh, One Piece are very easily marketable to an international audience. But yeah. Um but yeah, that's as far as um I want to get into Lovecraft Lovecraft Country because that's kind of up my alley too. I've just heard rave reviews of it. Just people I've known that have watched it just love that show and think it's really, really good. Uh, but, uh I have not started that yet, though I intend to very soon because it looks like a great show. It is from what I've read of friends reviewing it. That is, it seems like a really good show, but I nice. don't have HBO Max. So, yeah, uh, I'll have to figure out a way to get HBO Max, at least just for that show, I guess. But anyways, yeah, that that's my week. So, I guess we already started kind of talking about your, uh, your week. With oh, a, but a Destiny's Destiny. not the biggest thing I did this week in video games. Oh, no, no. Mm. Oh. You tell. I started playing Elite Dangerous again. Oh, did you? Yeah. You talked I'm, about that last Yeah, last I, it's... After three fucking years, I finally figured it was wrong with my flight stick, and I feel like an absolute idiot, but also the instruction manual it came with never mentioned a very important part of making it work, so... Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I took the thing apart, I inspected solder points, I... Whoa! Oh, I, I, yeah. Like so, I, I got back into playing Elite Dangerous. Uh, why I could not totally tell you, except for the fact that, at least in my mind, Elite Dangerous is now either poised to or really is delivering on what I want out of Star Citizen. And Star Citizen is not a game. It, I, I know I make jokes about how I can download and play a version of Star Citizen, but it's not. It's not released, it's not persistent, like, they keep having weird patch issues happen. Like, yes, that game, if it ever comes out, will be something I probably play the shit out of, but at the same time, it's super not there, and increasingly it seems like 
it may never actually be there, so yeah. Putting, uh, yeah, so I'm now kind of giving Elite Dangerous the more meaningful shot I've maybe never given it before. Unfairly, even admittably. Like, it's mm. it's a high barrier to entry game, as I occasionally think some stuff like this should be. And I started off playing it on the controller, and I find, like, I, I know I used this metaphor a lot when we were talking about the Steam controller a long time ago, but playing Elite Dangerous on a controller really fucking feels like I'm trying to rip someone's skull in half by using their eye sockets as leverage points and pulling in opposite directions, because it, unlike a lot of other stuff, flight games, uh, unlike other flight games out there, you kind of just have two directions of access you can move in. It's a space game, so you have pitch, roll, and yaw all working simultaneously for cornering, and mastering that is the trick to dogfighting and or everything. Like, for a game about space trucking, Half the time, it's point your point yourself in that direction and go. But if you're like me, you want to get into that bounty hunting lifestyle, and that means dogfighting. And I at least find the control of a starship and Elite Dangerous on a controller weirdly hard. So I blew the dust off my uh, my flight stick, got that thing up and running finally. Like I, I legit have owned this thing since 2017, and it has never worked totally correctly. Like I had years where I thought the thing was busted and was in an ongoing fight with Logitech about how I make this work, and I finally was going to cave and be like, okay, cool. The throttle part of this works. I'll use that, and I'll buy a new controller. Like The SciTech stuff has always had a bit of a weird history to it. Like Let's do this. And I go online, it's like, if I wanted to buy a replacement for the SciTech, for the X-52s, John joystick part of this, what do I do? And someone had a, in a forum post that wasn't directly important was like, yeah, so because the SciTech X52 joystick plugs into the throttle, I'm looking at that going, it does what now? Nowhere in the last three years I've been trying to make this fucker work does it mention you plug the fucking flight stick into the throttle for it, actually. <laughs> the, and the thing is laid out in a way that sure as fuck looks like the plug that you plug the flight stick into is just a secondary connection for your computer. Like, in no way does it make sense the way they have this thing laid out that you're supposed to go from, okay, flight stick goes into this thing, and then that's the USB connection back to your computer. Like, I always thought it was super weird that the flight stick was on, like, the old school mouse cable with the pins and that one square chunk, and then the one coming off your throttle was a USB connection. I'm like, this is weird, but okay, I bought an adapter, bought some extension cables for it, whatever. Like, it also doesn't help the fact that the fucking flight stick comes with a six-foot fucking long cable, implying, like, <laughs> yeah, it runs to your computer, asshole. No, it goes the foot and a half to the left through the throttle, and it plugs in there, and I only figured this bullshit out where it was this post, and I'm like, no, it can't be that simple. Got out of bed. Like, I had spent, like, four hours. We didn't have a Thursday stream on my Twitch channel because I was trying to get this bullshit to work. Like, went to bed, 11.30 at night, I'm like, okay, like, let's look up. Replacement sticks. You can pl plug it into that. And I'm like, look at, I look at my, I need to go try something real quick. Go on. Get the thing all plugged up. 
turn the computer on. The computer's not even totally on. It's just it's registering stuff. This thing has never registered before in my life. And if you've been watching me, you could just watch like my face like die through all this moment where I'm like, I've been trying to get this fucking thing to work for three years. I have resoldered connections. I have done everything in my power to work because no one on the internet was like, yo. I know the the, the the instructions this thing comes with are complete bullshit. You gotta plug the flight stick into the throttle control. <laughs> that is the first piece of advice everyone should give when they say, yo, my X-52 is not working. It's like, well, did you know you have to plug the flight stick into the throttle? I've been like, no, because the box it came in had the worst instructions ever. Like, it, it has every detail on how to get this thing repaired or, like, how to customize it for your hand, but never a wiring diagram up. Here's how it goes together. So yes, I've been enjoying Elite Dangerous. That game's really fun. I'm having fun playing it. I'm going to buy my first new ship soon. But yeah, flight stick, throttle stuff. I, You could totally play that game with a mouse and keyboard or just a controller. I think something gets lost on that game. It also, I think, makes it meaningfully harder. Yeah, I, I think once you're trying to deal with three degrees of motion simultaneously, that's when the world of peripherals gets like, yeah, this is where we shine, and I think that game fucking shines as a result of... I was having fun with that game on controller, I'm having a lot of fun with that game now that I have my Hotas up and running, but now I'm that monster who's like, what if I bought a second stick and did a Hotas sauce? Yeah, that that's the correct way. Someone needs to stop me. Yeah, Elite Dangerous is a pretty cool game, it turns out. I'm, I'm having fun doing that space trucker thing. Trying to get better at combat. The, 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 the community for it is super inviting and like, yeah, you don't have to get good at space combat before you dive into this game. Just go for it. Like, It's important, but like, as long as you can pass the base tutorial, there's plenty of activities you'll never have to space fight as part of, so you can like get used to flying in this game, because flying is... It's weird, but also like it makes complete sense where it's like, yeah, so... Your ship is, like, your starting ship is a giant wedge. It doesn't turn left or right super great, but it rolls super fantastically. So the correct way to corner is actually, like, rolling your ship left and right and then, like, turning up and down. So you basically, you're shifting your X, Y axis around constantly to do those tight turns. And that's a super cool thing to think about, kind of, in a, if you're used to the traditional flight model where it's like, okay, left, right, meh, meh, meh. This is like, no, it's... Thrusting left and right will never be as fast as, like, whipping your ship around and, like, burying the nose backwards kind of thing. And that's a super cool feeling. And also, joysticks, like, add to the motion sickness of that game in a meaningful way, but also, it's fun. I think I made my dog almost throw up the other night because she got motion sick off of it. Really? <laughs> I'm pulling some real dumb maneuvers. She likes watching it, though, which I find cute. But... Yeah, that's that and the Destiny mop-up I'm doing right now. Like, I, I think the next thing I'll be chasing is probably uh, the Outbreak Perfected Catalyst, because that's... I, I got World Line last night. I'm not sure I care about the Catalyst. I got Polaris Lance last night. I'm not sure I care about the Catalyst there either. Like, it's it's making sure I have the important things at this point. I, I have, I'm waiting on Forerunner to be completable at this point. Like, my Ruinous Effigies Catalyst is through the roof. Uh, my Wither Horde... I, yeah, I... There's not a ton of shit for me to chase at this point in Destiny, which is why I'm playing Trials and, like, stepping it down other stuff. Like, my clan's getting into focusing on making sure we have certain mods for next season that we think will be useful. Like, we're in that kind of bullshit streamer metagame right now where it's the, none of us need to play, we have all of the stuff, give or take, but it's like, okay, 
what do we do now to get really specifically good at certain things? Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, Outbreak yeah. Perfected. That's the one where that's out of the... Zero um, hour. Zero hour yeah. where it's timed 20 minutes. Yep. But the heroic version of that to get the uh, catalyst or whatever, right? Is a motherfucker, yeah. Well, the regular version is not not easy. So, uh... I mean, if you have three solid people, you can go through it pretty well, yes. but it's even the regular version is not super easy. Well, so, if you and don't this know what is you're doing. where it gets different. Um, so, where Whisper of the Worm, the heroic mode versus the normal mode are the same. The yeah, heroic basically. mode is just harder combat wise. Heroic yeah. mode zero hour has the has the same level combat. It's the jumping part of it that's Yeah, different. they've made the jumping puzzles worse. Yeah, the jumping that's puzzle heard for, about it. It's the hardest jumping in the game, I think. And I have a couple guys in my clan that can beast through that, but yeah, it trying to solo the end of that thing is a pain, so it's kind of about finding the right crew to run that thing as necessary. Uh it's yeah. Yeah, zero hours hard. Mm. It's the heroic version of it is. Like and you can get good at it. Like, I've had to be like, there's a guy in my clan that's like a Sherpa for it, but he's also like, yeah, I can't solo the end of it. Like, it's about getting two people to the end, and then you can kind of bust through it at this point. Like, I kind of wish I'd done this back when it was glitched and the damage the damage you were doing was through the ridiculous roof, and that made it a little bit better and more achievable. But yeah, that seems what I'll be up to for the next couple weeks in Destiny. But mostly I've been playing Elite Dangerous. I've had a lot of fun with that lately. Like, it's... I. I, I it's I come back to that game every couple of years it seems like there's about like a four year gap or maybe not four year but like two year gap through my like severe interest in that and maybe it's COVID maybe it's just where I'm at in my life right now maybe it's like my mindset these days but like space trucking yeah it's nice just put your you just put your ship in a borderline fast flight travel and you drive it's nice that's not my end really though like it's nothing super eventful this week like I. I'm waiting for a couple things to come out. I think I keep looking at stuff. I I briefly played the uh, Shadowrun collection I, we talked about last week as part of the podcast that was out on Epic. And I'm like, yep, this is the thing I thought it was. I'm glad I told people to go buy this or go download this, I guess, directly. It's real good. It's real good. Um, Dragonfall is super, probably the best of the three. Dragonfall is really good. I don't even remember which one um, I played. I just, I just played for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, yep, this is what I thought. It's the... It was more me confirming we told people to go download the right thing, and I'm like, yep, no, this is correct. Yep, this is what I thought it was. Mm. They changed some things very strangely for Shadowrun Hong Kong to make it not as good, actually. But, uh, but Dragon, like, which is unfortunate because the setting for it is awesome, like, super cool, but it's like they changed some gameplay stuff in Hong Kong, Shadowrun Hong Kong, that's... Yeah. Not good changes, but the base Shadowrun and Dragonfall, especially Dragonfall, is really good and really fun. Yeah, I super recommend that one, and that one's also included as free as part of the package. So, yeah, my issue with ever I play Shadowrun stuff is like there's there's no way of turning what that tabletop game is into an RPG effectively, and this game does a real fucking good job of doing it, but like. Playing that thing just made me go, I should find a Shadowrun group. I really should. I love I mean, Shadowrun. I, could, I could even run Shadowrun. Yeah. Like, I've, I've played it for years and run it before, but yeah. Shadowrun. Yeah, but yeah, the games are 
really good, like really well done. Shadowrun is also your GM killer, though, occasionally, just given how complex that game can get. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, the newer editions did do a lot to streamline the rules. Apparently, the newest edition's so. kind of trash. Like, I feel like 3 and 4 are still the, like, de facto editions for play. I don't know. I, I kind of like the 5th edition. I've, I've played in it already a huh. few times, and, uh, I don't know. I think there's some definite streamlining. It's not quite on the level of the of the way that Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons completely overhauled and streamlined everything, but yeah. So how do you feel? And maybe this is kind of a weird conversation to go into all of a sudden. How do you feel about the fact that like the new fifth uh, edition rulebook they're doing essentially divorces race away from like some baked in stat blocks? I think it's the best thing they possibly could have really? done. Really. You know why? Why? Because the whole this race is evil just because is a really fucked oh, up. Oh, okay, you come back from thinking. the evil versus not evil perspective. That makes more sense. Yeah, I Yeah. I, I don't know. I I, I don't mind like yeah, the idea of like, goblins are sneaky. So that for me is a that's been problematic in fantasy since fantasy has existed as a genre. And in sci fi, by the way, too. Oh, these aliens, they're just evil. What? <laughs> I didn't even yeah, think so of it from that perspective. I thought of it more from, like, no, orcs should be stronger than elves. They're orcs. Like, I didn't even go to the, like, evil versus not evil race category. That actually makes a lot more sense if that's what they're doing. Yeah, it's, for me, it was always real weird and problematic that, like, the drow, they're just evil? What? Why? What? An entire race is just evil. That's been deeply problematic in fantasy for, well, for a, in pretty much every genre, sci-fi, fantasy, everything, and, like, this this race, they're evil. Well, and this maybe where it gets weird. Why? I'm what? The, I'm used to the Starfinder it's... and Pathfinder take on this, where they're like, they're better about that. There's no evil races necessarily. They're like, yeah, drow culture is fucked up, but like, individual drow aren't necessarily evil. Like, it's yeah. But even that, it's it. There's there's even with the evil culture thing. There's just. It's real problematic. Sure. And I'm glad that finally D&D is taking steps to be like, you know, actually, you should, you know, let's let's just say that every race is nuanced. So, yeah. And also, it's problematic when they're like, this race is just stupider than other races. They are less intelligent. That's also kind of fucking problematic. Yeah, and I guess like I, my latest exposure to that because there is a thing where, like, where no, you know that is a thing that. in D D where they're like, yeah. oh, this race they're more intelligent. This race they're less intelligent. No, and it's weird because like we're D and D's just dropping that whole system altogether. Starfinder's going the opposite approach where it's like, no, like it's the the average Vesk is like they're a warrior culture. They have a they have a minus one to intelligence, but also like here's the rules for scientists Vesk. We understand not all Vesk are stupid. When we just wrote them, they were kind of aimed at this character class. People have done some cool stuff with there. It's like, no, no. It's like, yeah. Here's a bunch of like other versions of the space character you can go with that are just as valid and also in some ways occasionally cooler. Like the fact they gave androids go-go gadget powers is like the most fantastically bizarre thing ever. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, like especially with like you know the this race is evil and this race is less intelligent. Yeah, that's. It's one thing if we're talking about maybe like, you know, like, yes, like this beetle is, this beetle, this tiny beetle here is not as smart as like a... Yeah, you come at from the humanoid standpoint of like, they're all, 
they've all evolved to being able to use the same tools, give or take. Yeah. And even ones that aren't humanoid, like dragons. And other, you know, races, if you're capable of higher intelligence, if, if you, you know, if they're evolved to have higher intelligence, then let's not roll with this, hey, these, these, this, but this group is just all stupid. Yeah, that's also, like I said, it's, it's finally getting rid of the really problematic racist undertones of fan, of, well, not just fantasy, but in, for D&D, it's, which is generally fantasy based. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting rid of that. And I'm like, actually, that's real cool. They should have done that a long time ago. Yeah, it's interesting because D&D has never kind of addressed the idea of like, okay, yeah, we it's like here's some other versions of the same races where like I think Pius has done a really good job where it's like, yeah, no, this is the base version of this. We didn't anticipate people wanted to do this with this. Here are like nine different versions of that same race kind of thing that like it's like oh they're just no they're just, they're just like this is a Vesk scientist. They're smart. They have space travel. Someone had to figure it out. But yeah, I, I that's why I applaud it. Yeah. I'm I'm like, yeah, it's it's was real problematic and and yeah, and I'm glad that they're just saying that actually you could stay with the you know other rules, not like they've said that the other yeah. rules are invalid, but they're like, hey, also, you can just say, not do that. I mostly like it from the angle of, like, hey, I want to play I- the specific character. You can now without having to go like through some weird build fix to make it work. Yeah, and so, and the thing is, I've been doing that for a while in campaigns that I've yeah. run, actually, in the past in D&D and that, where it's like, yeah, actually... Let you you know, use whatever stat bonuses you feel like for any any sentient humanoid race. You I, you can't play a dragon because that's just dumb overpowered. But why does any it get other... plus ten to everything? What's that? Why yeah. does it get plus ten to everything? Cause dragons. Yeah. yeah. Uh. But yeah. But in general, it's like you know, play whatever you want. Uh. It works because I'm not playing with the with the kind of racist overtones. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of super over that. No, so, it makes sense. Yeah. I guess uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go on mine. Um, or you did yours indirectly, but yeah, I guess. Uh, no, you're right, we haven't really. No, well, I mean, so I, I was going to add this to the news stuff, but I figured it's so minuscule, I'd rather not add it because I wanted to have more of a little thing and Charlie kind of, well, this is a good time to actually bring this up. So, um, well, off top group because we're going to talk about GameStop, Gamescom. Is it Gamescom? Is that it's what Gamescom? It was? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Games Gamescom. Yeah. So, uh, the WoW Shadowlands release was announced, and I have some thoughts and concerns. Uh, mm. Well, the release date, rather. Uh, so, let's see here. One of the biggest things, number one, is the release date. They told us, you know, holiday 2020. Okay, that makes sense. And given the way some of the stuff is still, there's still bugs and issues in the beta. I've been in there for a while and I've been submitting feedback and things like that. Just because I, I want to make the game good. Sure. You know? Um, their release date window is October 27th. And a, little close. a lot of them. Real fucking close. Uncomfortably close if you will, given from what I'm seeing right now online and experience 
through playing the game. Um, there's a lot of concerns. One of the biggest ones is tying player power to an RP choice, but in a way that um, could affect gameplay down the line. Um, specifically Covenants. If I, I don't know if I've talked about it much in the system We've talked here, about but... them kind of vaguely, how the problem's always been, hi, we have abilities tied to these specific things, I guess. Yeah, it's like, imagine if you will, if you had player power abilities tied to specific side factions in, um, in Destiny 2. But once you pick it, you can't make another choice. Like, what are the ones where we do like little three factions where you can choose from to support? What's the name of that event? You remember that, Charlie? Oh, uh, uh, faction rallies. Yeah. Yeah, the faction rallies. Now imagine, like, because the thing is, you can change your faction rally every time the event comes around, right? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that your player powers that tie completely to one faction rally that you choose, and you can't change it forever, which is odd because then you run into scenarios that they've been talking about. Um, where certain classes will do better with one as opposed to another, and you miss out on a whole chunk of like story and everything else because there's this weird push that, for whatever reason, the guys over at WoW want to push about like an RPG where like your choice is permanent. Like, well, you get that, but the problem is when you tie player power and the concept of like something's always going to be the best. You don't make an RP choice based off of the RP. You make a choice based off of what's going to do the best damage or the best performance for you in, like, PvP and raids and things like that. Yeah. Which becomes a huge fucking problem. Like, I, get, I, like, I respect that they want to, like, have the RPG influences, but you can't do that to a game like WoW. And it's so weird. And so they, they've talked about early on that if it's worst-case scenario, or if it comes last, last resort, rather they can quote-unquote pull the ripcord and make it that your player power isn't tied to what covenant you choose, and you can switch around them like talents, like you do a talent tree now in WoW. Problem is, they haven't, and it's getting closer and closer to the release date, and they're so stuck on the idea that your player power is basically behind a covenant wall, which is just a dangerous concept to have altogether. It just feels really uncomfortable yeah. when you're getting close to the end of it. <clears throat> So, that being said, um, I guess one of their big things on why they're doing that is, like, and, and it shows up now in Overwatch, too, is there's something about Blizzard and the way they're architecting games that they don't like the concept of a meta. Like, it feels like they hate the concept of a meta, which, I mean, I get, but the problem is you can't, you're not, you can't force the meta to disappear from a game. When there's a when there's competition at stake and when there's like a a means of being better than something else or something performs better, you're always gonna make pick. That's just the concept of meta is not gonna go away. Yeah. And like even in Overwatch, like they hated the fact that um oh, what was it? Goats was a meta for a while. I don't know if you guys remember what the goats meta was. You guys remember what that was? I know all? the term. I'm not sure what it's from, though. So in Overwatch, there was a there was a, a minor league team that came up with a meta called Goats. It was named after them. But essentially, is you ran three tanks and three healers. One of those healers was Brigitte, and yeah. so the thing was, you had a high sustain team, 
that would put out fairly decent DPS, but also shut down any flankers or things like that because Brigitte was so good of a counter for Tracer and Genji and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that eventually the whole DPS roster got phased out of the meta in Overwatch because picking, like, two shield tanks, a Roadhog, for example, as well, a Brigitte, and then, like, a Mercy and something else was just so good of a comp, and it all just synergized well that you completely removed the entire DPS roster from the meta, and they weren't happy with it. And so they ended up nerfing Brigitte to the ground, and even after the first wave of nerfs, she was still good for the GOATS comp, so then they decided to go after the actual building of the meta themselves, and they removed player choice by forcing uh, competitive comps to be two tanks, two healers, two TPS only, and you cannot break away from that. It's which is I, I remember that. I was still around when that happened. Yeah, which is such a weird thing to force. And it, I mean, yeah, you brought back DPS, but like, you, you take away... At what cost? Exactly. And like, it's such a weird thing to go after. Like, I get it that you don't like meta and you balance stuff around it, but the problem is, players are always going to search for the meta. Yeah. Like, that's not... I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Am I crazy? Like, So let me dip into kind of some ye old Destiny time that Maybe Alex will remember, actually, but... So yeah. Bungie did the same thing at one point. And it mm. got me to stop playing the game. Well, when was this? So year one of Destiny 2 was the double primary era of Destiny 2. And it's an era that's kind of, to this day, a bit of a weird topic, where to balance the game, they gave every weapon in the game a static roll for a long time. I think all the way up to Warmind, actually. Maybe through Warmind, even like the the first year of Destiny One, everything had static rules. So every single gun you got that was of the same name had the same exact stats to it. It really became a kind of what gun matched your play style the best type of thing. Which yeah, at the time was this kind of weird conversation of okay, maybe they're trying like it's it was during all those weird time periods where everything was trying to be esports. Like this was back when Evolve was happening. It's it. And for whatever reason, Bungie was really trying to legitimize the PvP and Destiny at that point in time. It did not work. It actually kind of did a really great job of fracturing to an insane degree the player base because you wound up in this weird situation where your heavy slot, well, or your power slot was, I think, the phrase for it, was shotguns, sniper rifles, fusion rifles, grenade launchers, and rocket launchers. Which, to anyone playing right now, seems strange because shotguns, sniper rifles, and fusion rifles a, don't pack as much of a punch as grenade launchers and rocket launchers do, and B, they're kind of super important the second-to-second -second gameplay in that game. Mm. So, at the time, you had a lot... Of, it, the meta was incredibly bad. Like You had just flat-out, these are the best guns in the game, go get them kind of thing, which was its own set of problems, but you had people like me... Like I only started playing Destiny 2 in a meaningful way again, and I, I, it's on the podcast, we talked about this, where they, they were doing a weekend where they reintroduced, hey, removing shotguns and sniper rifles and fusion rifles back. Like, we're doing a new thing. We're doing kinetic versus energy, so you can still have energy primaries if you want them, but you now can have, like, we, we've broken it back down into, like, primary, secondary, or it was, it was, it was, sorry, it was primary, special, and heavy weapon ammo again. Like, so... You can have you can do a three shotgun build if you want. There are a couple shotguns that are staying as heavy. There's a couple sniper rifles staying as heavy. But if you want, you can equip three sniper rifles at once. We don't recommend it, but hey, 
you can do it if you want. And that's where the current setup is now. And they did a trial weekend of like, hi, here's it back. What do you guys think? And it overlapped with the Gambit test beta at that point. I thought that that was the most I'd played of Destiny in that entire year, I think, in a very long time kind of thing. And we've been there since, and now we have all these balance problems that we've had ongoing conversations about. But yeah, the first, like, that weapon change almost tanked the game for a lot of people, myself included. Like, it, it was enough to get just a giant chunk of people to tap out because it was so stale and it was very much a like a forcing of, we don't want to have to keep trying to um, fix these things. If we just do this, there's no meta. Oh shit, there's still a meta, but also, like, now we're losing players because no one has fun. Yeah. No, I mean... <clears throat> It's, it's so, I don't know, it's just super annoying when you have, like, developers push this concept of, like, oh, that's, like, you know, hey, here's a game you can play, and then people figure out a way to play it as it suits them best, and then they're like, oh, no, not like that, and they force these changes to people. But the problem is, like, it was an interesting discussion, because I listened to a lot of the, like, the wild roundtables especially with, like, release patch yeah. or expansion release coming up, too, where they talk about, like, like one of the biggest conversations I've been seeing about it is the idea that there is a meta. And, like, some classes will just bring more stuff to the table. Like, I, so I played an Enhancement Shaman for a good chunk of this past expansion. And Enhancement Shaman, this, this whole expansion, has been pretty fucking gimped. And so, like, it just, it just feels like they, they talk about how they want you to bring the player, not the class, but the problem is you take two equally skilled players, you have one on a rogue and you have one on an enhancement shaman, the rogue is going to perform the enhancement shaman yeah. outperform the every single fucking time. So at that point, even if you have, like, bring the player, not the class, you're bringing the class. Like, I don't know. Well, like, it, if, it, yeah. if based on that argument, the fact that Shadow Priest still exists in WoW is baffling. Well, Shadow Priests are really interesting because they got a really good buff halfway through the expansion, and they were destroying all the like all the Warcraft logs on damage. They were just completely destroying them. Um, it wasn't until recently where they aren't really doing that. Well, no, they're doing so good. I, so I'm realizing probably I should I should walk that one back and explain that whole concept. So back uh, in way the fuck back when Classic WoW. Um, Shadow Priest was kind of this thing that existed that was like, okay, we don't know why this exists. Why? Well, they're not as good as mages. They're not, they're nowhere near as good as warlocks that through most of Classic WoW were in some version of just busted wide open and like a, hey, it, it, it's, it, it was destruction or affliction spec. And then they gave Demonology a major shot in its arm for, uh, what was that? A burning left or Burning Crusade. It's like, okay, yeah, so now. All three of this, all three of uh, branches of this very overpowered class are equally overpowered in their own bizarre way. And you had Shadow Priests like, why are people playing this? Well, they like the flavor of it. Yeah, it's got no place in organized play though either. Why? It can't heal. Everything out DPSs it in the grand scheme of things. Like it's the you you are literally choosing to play the worst version of this class that people need in the game. Ironically, yeah. Well, what's funny too about that is like in 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 like in Burning Crusade, they gave Shadow Priest a purpose. Yeah, like their damage wasn't as good, but they provided such good mana regen for your healers yeah. 
that you brought a Shadow Priest in because they had utility. No, and that change, like, legitimized the existence of that entire talent tree. Like, up until that point, it was... Mm. It's like, why if it's Shadow Form is cool? What else? Shadow Form is cool? Well, the funny thing is, Well, too, their now, main thing was they did a lot of uh, dot damage over time. Not compared really. to locks. Well, that's the funny thing, too, is, like, when you're out questing, like, stuff dies too fast for you to ramp up all the good damage that you would do with the Shadow Priest. And it's gotten so bad to the point, the leveling meta for Priest is to literally level as a healing spec because it does more damage and it's faster Yep. than playing Shadow Priest. Like, it's you know, such the a damage ass- spec. Yeah. So you play Disc Priest instead when you're leveling because not only can you heal, you have better survivability, and you deal better damage up, like, front-loaded. I mean, over a sustained fight, obviously, Disc Priest is going to lose to a Shadow Priest. But for the concept of leveling where stuff is in and out really quick, it just completely mops up Shadow. And so you have this, like, kind of weird situation you're in when it comes to that. Um, and again, it's the meta. Like, you're you're not going to take away the meta from people. Like, it's, they're always going to find, you know. That's why you had, like, a lot of the theater crafters have best in, best in slot sheets and gearing and things like that we have entire websites dedicated to finding out what's the best they're they're trying so hard to remove these from being a resource that it's just over the years you've had to go and find third-party resources just to figure out how to best optimize your character and like so you guys don't know this but there's a website called Raidbots um that i use and anybody who takes any kind of working on your character seriously has raid bots. The problem is there's so many calculations that have to get done now because of all the systems that they have in the game that I pay a third-party company or site for an extra amount of... Yeah, you're, you're of, basically paying a consultant to analyze your data for you. It's so dumb. At essentially, yeah, which is stupid. So I'm paying on top of all that for my subscription to WoW to pay for all this other stuff. It's just... It's ass backwards. And it's because and of this website. weird meta that exists. And that's, like it's the, and that's the thing that annoys me, is they blame these sites for driving the idea that there has to be a best kind of thing, when it's like, no, you've added so much dumb shit that without these resources, we don't know what is actually the best based off of numbers and simulations, because you have so much shit layered on top of your shit. Well, and at so. the same time, too, you could make the argument, well, it doesn't have to be the best, except for the fact that they keep designing raid encounters around peak optimacy. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, um, but to drive back, like, all what I'm, kind of what I'm saying is, like, Shadowlands is releasing in October. Yeah. October 26th at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast, which would be when I would be able to play. Um, and also, just a heads up, I'm taking an entire week off, and I, I'll just announce now, I'll be streaming for that whole week for the most part. Um, not the whole time, but, like, I will be streaming when I am playing. Get that IV or Red so, Bull already, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I will be playing that and streaming it, so I'm just announcing it now. Sometime around October 26th, just before 4 p.m. Pacific time, I'll start streaming, uh, Mave Online, Twitch, Facebook Gaming, YouTube Gaming, as we get closer to the date, remind me, we'll put a link to it in the show notes or something. Cool, thank you. But yeah, so I'll be streaming all that, and then, of course, I'll have a link to my Extra Life page if you guys want to donate 
Um, given all the stuff that's going on right now with like coronavirus and all that, I still kind of want to push and make sure that I'm still Save doing the my extra life. Hmm? Save the children. Yes. So, that just because that's happening doesn't mean that you still don't have families and people Arguably who can those kids need stuff. it more because they're at even higher risk than they were previously. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and of course, I'm, I will be playing, uh, since I did move up to the Portland area, um, I'll be playing for Dornbecker, which is the, was it the Children's Miracle Network Hospital that's up here? Rat so. bastard traitor. Yeah. <laughs> Have you no loyalty? <laughs> I mean, I maybe somewhere, but right Go now, wear a scarf and drink some artisanal coffee while you complain about how mild the weather of Portland is during the summer. LA has plenty of good streamers who can raise a good amount of money. Or CHLA, plus they've got a good medium. Uh, Dorn Becker doesn't raise as much from Extra Life, and I'd like to help out with a little bit I can. Oh, yeah, I know. So, but yeah. Um, so I'll be doing all that. But either way, though, I am concerned because a lot of this stuff, a lot of the, uh, it feels like a repeated cycle of when we were complaining about Azerite armor. It feels like that's coming back, but in a different form. And. Mm. I will say this time around, though, Blizzard has been a lot more responsive with feedback as opposed to uh, Battle for Azeroth, where well, there was tons of stuff posted and they ignored pretty much everything. Well, and this is not me being contrarian as I normally am on this topic. Have they actually been good about reacting to it? Or have they been good about saying, we hear you and we're looking into it? No, they actually have. Like the, okay. the, so I'll give one good example. Elemental Shaman got revamped recently and they added um they they changed the way it was building up its like spenders and things like that and so the flow of the class actually changed up quite a bit um it felt really kind of convoluted to a point where it was counterproductive for the spec as a whole and they actually rolled back some of the changes based off of the user feedback and things like that um Enhancement Shaman has probably seen one of the biggest reworks in a long time as a result. But the problem is, and this is what I'm concerned about as somebody who likes to play Enhancement Shaman, is that it's not enough to justify giving it a raid slot when there are things that are being done to melee classes as a whole that are counterproductive. And the reason they're doing it is because they hate the fucking meta. Um, so one of the things they're doing, which is really fucking weird and I haven't mentioned it yet, is they're putting uh, AOE caps on abilities. So, for example, one of the big things that... Wait, wow, so wow. they're making so you can only hit actually X number of uh, targets per AOE? As a melee, range have more abilities that aren't AOE capped. And the reason for that is so Blizzard runs the MDI, which is the Mythic Dungeon Invitational, and the meta was played with all melee because it's just, for dungeons, melee is just better. So their solution, instead of designing dungeons that are better for ranged and melee, is to just say, well, let's make our crazy dungeons, but let's just cap melee AOE abilities instead and force people to bring more ranged players in or ranged classes in, which is such an ass-backwards approach, personally. Like, I don't know. It, it just seems dumb. So now the problem is, if that mechanic is ingrained in the spec, when you have yeah. raid encounters, and you have ads or a bunch of mobs or a bunch of things to deal with, 
range is just a better way to handle it altogether because it just flows better and you aren't restricted with AOE caps. So it's just Yeah, they're they're running into the um what's the right phrase for it? They're over it's the overcorrection cycle. We're trying to fix something there over fixing it by not necessarily fixing it but by breaking it somewhere else and yeah yeah so i mean granted the the mdi meta was so bad because you have some melee classes that bring so much utility that like you saw comps that were literally like two rogues a demon hunter a monk and a druid healer that was like a meta because rogues are so good and they did so much aoe damage especially with like you know tons of you can mass pull chains of things that it just worked out better. Problem was, like, that's it's not a design fault on the class, it's a design fault on the dungeon. And, like, you're just policing the meta at that point. So now, like, that's the other concern I have, is these AoE caps for melee, um, for fights that have become more and more ranged happy, or ranged friendly as opposed to melee friendly, like, it just feels like they're pushing people further and further away from melee classes. And the problem is, like, if you play something like Rogue, which I'm going to play in Shadowlands, because I just... The Enhanced Shaman isn't putting up anywhere near enough damage, and it just, just doesn't bring enough utility to justify a race. Class traitor. Yeah. So, it sucks. Now, I'm going to have it leveled up, and I'm still going to play it. Problem is, Wind Fury Totem, which they brought back, by the way, is not enough to justify a raid slot when you have a monk and a demon hunter who brings such essential buffs um, to the table that you don't you you, you they have a, a meta where two slots two melee slots like let's say you don't have a brewmaster tank and you bring a windwalker monk and a dh you have to have two of those already there so that's two melee classes reserved in a 20 20 man roster that are already reserved because of the utility they bring so yeah, it just feels dumb. So, I have concerns and thoughts. Also, I just don't feel it's ready for an October 27th release. Increasingly, lots of things have felt kind of like, I. you don't have to stick to this release date. Please push it back so the release isn't as bad. Like, as annoying as it was when Destiny's like, yeah, we're shifting it back two months. I was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is probably a good thing. Yeah, and I've got no problem with it. Like, I, I would mean, think we've expressed on this podcast, like, there's nothing wrong with having to push back the date if you don't feel it's ready. Especially for established pushing... things, make sure it's good before it goes out. Yeah, who was it, who was it in Nintendo that said something like... Um... <sighs> I think it's Miyamoto, but I'm not sure if it's inaccurately equated to Miyamoto or if it's something he actually said where it's like... It's like... Yeah, I, I'm of the exact yeah, quote. Yeah, it's Miyamoto. So he said uh, something along the lines of a delayed game is eventually good. But a rush game is forever bad. And yep. like... So... I just feel like, even if they, they already announced the date, I don't think they're going to push it back. Only because, like, it's Blizzard. And Activision's back there too. Well, I was going to say, it's like, Blizzard Activision at this point. Like, that, yeah. that company is held aloft by two tent holes, and it's COD and uh, WoW at this point. Yeah, so I think that's where we are right now. <clears throat> so, but yeah. So I, I guess kind of with all this in mind, like I, you were down on this season or not this season, this expansion for a little while. Um, 
overall, how are you feeling about what they've shown so far with the upcoming season? Obviously, you've got some balance concerns and all that jazz. Interesting season, I should say, expansion. Um, go ahead, sorry. Do you think we're stuck in that cycle again where you kind of have a couple expansions in between the good ones, actually? Um, so... Well, I mean, also with going with the theory of like team one and te- or team A, team B when it comes yeah. to how expansions, it was BFA's turn to be the shitty expansion, um, and <laughs> ideally, team A is back on Shadowlands. Given what I've seen so far, as far as like the lore and the design of a lot of the stuff, it looks gorgeous. Like, I don't know if you've seen anything as far as the. The WoW stuff with, like, um... I don't follow WoW anymore, really. Okay. So, we're essentially going to the Shadowlands, which is, Yes, like... I, we, we know that much. We've talked about that yeah. in Great Joke. Yeah. So, there are, like, four factions in the Shadowlands, plus, essentially, Hell, which is the Maw. <clears throat> and each of these designs is just fucking gorgeous. Like, that's... Like, given mechanically and a lot of the decisions that get made... Blizzard makes a lot of mistakes, but the art department... Well, so that's what I was going to say. I, 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 just made, I should have sit and phrased my question differently. Like, you're dealing with WoW on a macro, on a very micro level. Okay? From a macro standpoint, BFA had problems. Oh, yeah. Like, I guess from a more, like, from a more stepped back, like, from a wider perspective, do you think this will be another good expansion? Do you have concerns about this expansion? And I know it's hard to kind of separate your nitty-gritty complaints versus... Like the overall scope of things, I have a problem with it at least. But yeah, looking at the kind of broader picture, are you confident this thing will be good, or kind of more concerned about it? Um, I'm probably gonna say more concerned about it. Okay, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's the takeaway I was more interested in. Like, yeah, it's from a like hardcore raider perspective, that's a for the majority of people a somewhat kind of complicated, maybe even useless perspective on a game. But looking broader, it's like a yeah, like a me and uh, me complaining about raid balances and trial balances does not help someone figure out about how what Destiny Two is like at this exact point in time. Me saying like, "Man, I'm grinding out this really specific SMG because I have nothing to do, despite the fact I've put in like thousands of hours into this game season already." Like, that's not a fair conversation to have. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they're working on right now that looks gorgeous and and feels good. It's just there are a few things that are also <clears throat> super concerning. The the points so, where it ha- the sharp points are really sharp. Yeah. That being said, though, as an overall, there's a lot of changes being made that feel really fucking good. Like, one of the things mechanically that they've done that I think, or systemically that they've done that feels really good is um, weapon drops. Instead of having a weapon drop off a boss, a, a chance of it dropping, especially with classes like rogues, for example, that only use daggers for two out of three other specs, it makes it so that it's a very focused <clears throat> kind of thing for it to drop. Instead of being like weapon drop chance for raids, they're dropping uh, tokens. And the token you can assign to someone, they can go to a vendor and buy the weapon they want. Hmm. Which feels better systemically. Like, as a system change, that feels better. <clears throat> you can just funnel that to specific classes to get them their weapons early on, specifically for ones that depend a lot more on weapon upgrades uh, to perform better, specifically melee classes. Um, one of their biggest, at, one of the biggest things that increases their damage output as overall 
is the weapon damage that yeah. you have on the weapon itself. As a caster, I can have a lower level uh, staff, and it doesn't affect my performance as much as having a dagger for my robe. Yeah, them good robes, yeah. <laughs> so, that's a good change. Like, that, that's a good move. The castle Nathria, which is a first raid, uh, looks fucking gorgeous, and aesthetically just looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are some current concerns, so we'll see. I know I've carried on long about this on this one, but I just figured it yeah. was a nice kind of thing to bring up. And so we'll see. I'm sure I'll be here in a few months bitching about something. Oh, we're sure, yeah. Yeah. That's how this bullshit works. <laughs> yeah. So news? Uh, yeah, news. News. I don't know. All right, we're going to start this week off with kind of the biggest ongoing weird topic we've had in a little while. Maybe weird's the wrong qualifier for it, but uh, this epic thing is getting real something real quick. So you've now had Microsoft back it. You've had... I'm going to burn through this all. We'll dig into it more in a second. You've had Microsoft kind of coyly back epic stance on this one kind of and they're, they're not saying yo bro we're here for you but they're like yeah no this would be a good change across the board and we'll get into why that they might be saying that in a quick second you've also got a legal standpoint of that epic uh, that apple cannot bar epic the developer from kind of update basically the, the epic engine is safe or the, the unreal engine is safe for now mm. You also then have the mass kind of exodus of people going, oh shit, maybe the Unreal Engine isn't safe to be using long-term for a bunch of our work. And kind of on top of that, there's no oh, there's one more part of this I'm blanking on. Um, maybe that's it. Like, yeah, it's... Well, I what? mean, you've... So, we, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, it's... it's you've got... Uh, yeah. Uh, some weird... We're already starting to see the, you know, possibilities of unintended consequences yeah. here. And, you know, we hinted at it before because, yeah, last time we reported on it, we were like, well, the fact that Ep they're also sort of going after Unreal Engine as a whole, that's clearly an anti-competitive practice. Like, that's straight up, like, pretty undisputable, and that's why they managed to get... It was, fairly easy for them to get a temporary restraining order on the whole Unreal Engine being banned as well, because that's that goes way into, well, not only into anti-competitive, but also breaching contracts with countless other developers that use Unreal Engine. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually what the judge ruled on, was the fact that actually you're breaking contract by, ba if you ban... Unreal Engine as a whole, you're breaking your contract with many other developers. Yeah, like but, we talked about last week, it's the idea that everyone who uses Unreal is now being impacted by what should be a relatively contained fight, but now it's not. Yeah, and it's because Apple, I mean, that's the thing, it's like, and we've kind of talked about it and joked about it before, it's like, you know, these are all behemoths going up against each other. Yeah. But I'll say Epic is the smallest behemoth in the fight here. Like, Apple and Google are way bigger than Epic. But it's... Apple kind of doesn't really care. 
is they're like, well, you know, we'll be able to get by anyways, no matter, you know, no matter what. We can ban Unreal Engine and we'll be fine. But because they don't really care. They they just care about making money. And that's at the end of the day, that's really all they care about. But yeah, I yeah, this it's but it's taking kind of in a certain sense, not unexpected twists and turns. Because I think Epic also kind of knew that if Apple really starts to overreach, they it's going to bring more people into the fight. The speed at which stuff has moved through this whole thing has been impressive to watch. Like the fact yeah. that kind of in three weeks we've had kind of this level of escalation. Like unsurprisingly, I was expecting this to kind of stretch out. As like I thought we'd get to this point like by the end of September, not now already. I, I think Apple just wants to go nuclear on this one. Mm-hmm. No, so and I, they're I, not fucking around. I agree, but yeah. I think also, like, I think, and we talked about this some, but I think it's one of those ones where it's like, Epic, or, yeah, Epic came to this fight, like, armed for bear. Like, it's like, oh, you got a gun? That's cute. We, it's like, we have all this shit prepared. We're ready to fucking roll on this one. Which isn't necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just kind of, it's, you don't see legal battles like this kind of go this fast or kind of escalate this fast. And on one hand, it's a good thing because you have lots of other small devs who actually use the Unreal Engine for their games that aren't going to be like steamrolled as part of this. But good lord, does this seem like Megacorp versus Megacorp at this point? Yeah. And it, I mean, you're right. This battle is fucking. went zero to 100 real fucking quick. Well, it's because Apple always just wants to exert this total control over everything they they have a they have a hand in. That's why you have to you know jailbreak iPhones in the first place because they have this really hard hand on how much they want to control their product. Yeah, and I they mean, micro control all this stuff. Like they they would go after repair stores for fuck like ordering parts. Like I remember there was a guy I follow who does. Like iPhone and iMac repair stuff, they mm-hmm. Apple put a some sort of thing where they they I don't know who they talked to, but when they, they the guy ordered Apple like Apple basically equivalent parts from the same vendor who makes them, they're just not Apple branded. So like it was yeah, like batteries, Foxconn and stuff like that. probably yeah. or something. And they seized it from him, even though he's not breaking any rules. He bought he bought it legitly. And they, the, the Port Authority seized it and held it for a while, and it was at Apple's request. Like, it was fucking stupid. And just goes to show you the dangerousness of having basically money control politics and everything. It's like, yeah, that means that a megacorp like Apple can roll in and just push their weight around and subvert the rule of law. Yeah, and and I think that's that's of course a bigger conversation we have. But in this case, we have Apple, very in a very similar way, just saying, you know, our way or the highway, our way or all-out war on everybody. See, I think they I think they took a calculated risk here, and it backfired spectacularly. I felt like all right, and this is purely speculation that Apple thought that. Hey, if we threaten these other people, maybe Epic will back off. If we kind of throw out this threat to everybody, you know, basically you rule by fear of a sort, like and and fear by association, 
we'll actually get a lot, we'll get Epic and other people wanting to back down because we're threatening so many people. But that obviously backfired spectacularly because it was basically taken as Apple trying to attack all these other companies. Rather, than, they're trying to put the blame on Epic. And that's what they've been trying to do the whole time. And I feel like that was what they're trying to do with the, you know, the attempts to ban Unreal Engine is they're, they're trying to blame Epic, say, hey, it's Epic's fault that your, your games built on Unreal Engine are going to be unsupported on our store. Blame it on Epic. That didn't work. I think mm-hmm. that was actually a tactic that they were trying to do there. And it failed very spectacularly because of the, I mean, we've gotten a temporary injunction essentially now saying that, no, actually, you can't do that. But Apple wanted to, obviously, like because they don't think that they're beholden to anything other than what they want to do. Even the own, even the individual contracts that they have with these other developers. I think it's also no more complicated than like you try it, and if it works, holy shit, it worked. Yeah, but yeah, they they, but yeah, I think it it came down to they thought that they would actually still be able to put the blame on that all on Epic. Oh, look at Epic being bad guys, and because of Epic, you aren't going to be able to use un- your uh, games made with Unreal Engine will be delisted. Um, but. Actually, the opposite happened, and it caused a reverse backlash in that, no, actually, Apple, that's on you. I think it's an important distinction to make also. Like, We're not saying Epic is necessarily the good guys in this conversation. We are saying, like, of the two, Apple is definitely worse. Like, again, like I just think it's the... We're not saying what Epic's doing is good, necessarily. Like, it's, again, to go back to our initial kind of stance on this, which is, left the megacorps, fight it out, and whatever kind of thing. That we're okay with. It's the fallout that's happening as a result of it that's like, oh, yeah, Godzilla and Mothra knocked over a building full of people. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's getting, and I suspect it's only going to get messier. So this is in definitely an ongoing story. Yeah, no, more on this probably next week or in a couple weeks as this develops, or better or worse. You want a fun, frilly story quick to kind of level us off after Epic News? Sure. What if I told you Stadia had an exclusive coming out? What? Yay. Well, so uh, Stadia, Stadia's exclusive battle uh, Bomberman Battle Royale comes out September 1st. Why would Bomberman do that to themselves? Yeah, it's not like it's a healthy franchise right now. And that's, that's not really going to help. <sighs> It's a, uh, and it's, uh, the the shame is, it sounds like a really cool game. Like I, I like Bomberman, and in a certain sense, it works really well for a battle royale. Yeah, it makes you sense for a really battle large royale. Build. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> uh, I like Bar- I, I like Bomberman back in Nintendo sixty four days. Shame. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be a bunch of fields that are linked together. Yeah. that you can go from field to field, and then like. Fields start to get knocked out, I think, as players get knocked out, it seems. Mm. But I assume the fields get merged, essentially. Yeah, as it goes. Yeah, but, yeah, seems, uh, yeah. Real yeah, cool. super... Shame, shame it's on a dead platform. I, I found out the other... So, I was talking to someone online about the Destiny community on Stadia, and it turns out that that entire thing is, like, maybe 4,000 people strong, which maybe is not indicative of that platform's health, but doesn't look great either. 
But yeah, Super Bomberman R Online coming September 1st. It's got a Battle Royale mode. Uh, if you're looking for more Bomberman, go check it out. I don't know. Bomberman on Stadia. Alright. Next up. Um, shall we do a bad one or should we do a good one? Um, Let's do a bad one then we can go to a good one. Alright, you want to talk about Activision? Oh. <laughs> All right, so uh, unless you've lived under a rock, congratulations, you managed to miss this one. And actually, I'm not saying that sarcastically this time. You might, in fact, be better off. We got a full kind of as part of Gamescom look at Call of Duty Cold War. Uh, it appears to indeed be a new Call of Duty game done in the style of the first Black Ops game. So it's got branching paths. It's got more of a story focus. What makes this one especially newsworthy from our perspective, though, is that it's uh, it's dabbling in some conspiracy theory, and not like in a fun, oh-ha-ha -ha conspiracy kind of way that lots of games like to have fun with. It's dabbling in some very real-world problematic conspiracy theories that, if you choose to believe in them, well, you're probably of a certain political persuasion that believes in a variety of other things that are equally, if not more, problematic, and... Again, we're not saying necessarily kind of conspiracy theories are bad, but mainstreaming this one probably is. Not probably is bad. So essentially, the there's a one entire trailer for the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War focuses entirely on a uh, a former KGB informant who had defected to the U.S. named uh, Yuria Bezmanov, and and there, and he did an interview with a far right wing conspiracy theorist, who I'm not going to name because fuck that dude. Uh, but but in short, he's saying that the civil rights and like struggle for civil rights and equality is a Soviet is either a Soviet plot or makes it easier for the Soviet. To take over the U.S. and this was he said this during the Cold War, so that's why I'm saying the word Soviet. Soviet Union existed during the time when he was making this interview, which was in 1984. And if you're and dear listener, if you're listening right now, going, wait, is this the video game plot or a thing that actually happened, Henry? This is a, a thing that actually happened. Yes. <laughs> so this is this is not going to be the plot of the game, but they used an inter this interview. For an entire the entirety of a trailer, and that's that's really problematic. So I mean, it's it, it leans really heavily into things like the cultural Marxism, anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy theory. Um, uh, you're already seeing like kind of right wingers that are into games, you know, like your Gamergate type people already praising this trailer because it's mainstreaming non-political trailer yeah for mainstreaming far right-wing conspiracy theory that yeah that the fight for civil rights is actually a bad thing that the fight for equality is a bad thing mind you they're go ahead. sorry go ahead i was say mind you these are the same fucking people who get mad about my politics no oh, they're still mad about the last the of us, yeah. 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 And and yeah, it's it's just it's 
pretty despicable that they would in- devote an entire trailer to this without... And that's the thing, like, they're going to be like, well, we're just putting it out there, and it's just innocently and kind of like... You're mainstreaming it. By putting, by putting out this trailer without, without proper context, and without the full sort of explanation of what's going on here and why it's dumb and crazy and also has some tinges of anti-Semitism in there, too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's reckless no, yeah, and I... terrible, and they should delete this fucking trailer and apologize for it. But, of course, we're talking about the company that also hired a literal fucking traitor to the U.S. as an advisor. Sorry, Oliver North is a fucking traitor. He's a fucking traitor who lied about the Iran-Contra affairs. His ass should be sitting in federal prison forever. And we're not saying we're that only, this, like, the, the fact that he's not is a travesty of fucking justice. And we're not saying that the, the, the topic of this game is necessarily not grounds for a video game. It's the fact that the way it's presented in this one is not good, and the fact it's fucking call of goddamn duty handling it. The most gun-centric, we don't really leave room for interpretation and or Michael Bay-ass video game franchise out there at this point. Like, it's... Yeah, it's not a franchise that's known for nuance or kind of you know exploring themes whatsoever. It's it's back now. Now this for isn't guns. now gameplay or even plot that we're talking about. Here. We're talking about a trailer yeah. for the game. So and the trailer is yeah they should delete it and apologize for for making the trailer in the first place. Yep. As far as the plot of the game, I kind of don't care. Like it's, it's going to lionize people that don't deserve to be lionized. I think it's going to also kind of play some gray areas and not like, you know, everything that you're doing is right. It does seem like it is going to do some of that. But, so I don't really care. Yeah, to, to But I do care about a... them disseminating literal right-wing extremist conspiracy theory. Well, to, to remind people That's... of kind of the weird Black Ops brand. Like, it, it has not meant this in the last couple of years, but the first Black Ops game end with the main character you were playing the majority of that game with shooting JFK. Like, and yeah. that was a whole other set of topics for that time, but also, that was what, back in, like, 2010 or something? I, my initial takeaway from this was, it's like, I get it, that game development takes time, and this wasn't a decision they made this year, but, like, man, this game is not the right game. A, to be made by Activision and or a Call of Duty game, but B, like, right now, with everything happening in the world, it's like, this is no, just no. And normally I kind of let COD games just kind of exist in their own. Like, yeah, they're for people that aren't me, but like the, the fact that COD managed to actually get my controversy itch going is means this is a bigger problem than just kind of we're making it out to be. Like, this is a real fucking bad look and bad choice just across the board. Yeah. Happy topic? But... Sure. Sure. They're making a Witcher Monster uh, not Monster Hunter game, a Pokemon Go game. It's called Monster Slayer. You go around hunting monsters in an AR game. Hmm. What? But but do you have a bard singing as you do it? I suspect there is music in the game. I do not think you get uh, uh the bard okay. dandelion or what's it, Yaster? No, no coin for the Witcher. <laughs> if that's not in the game, someone fucked up. But <laughs> oh, I agree, one hundred percent. But yes, this appears to be a yet, yet an. A... Is this the first real like clone of this game? Essentially, like, I, I, what's it? Um, Niantic people Pokemon have made Go two versions of this of game. Thing, you mean? Hmm? 
You mean the Pokemon Go type of yeah, game? Yeah, so Niantic or? has made the biggest clone of its own game, which is the Harry Potter one, which is different. Like, this one just kind of... It exists. Like, there was that dragon game I played briefly that was an interesting idea for the concept, but... Uh, yeah, no, not a lot's known about this game. We don't even have a, really, a release date yet, but... uh, Trailer shows off you wandering in the woods hunting monsters with your phone. Be that cool person, I guess. I, I don't know. You should want to buy the Witcher um, contacts to go with this game so I can tell if you're playing this game in public or not. <laughs> Alright, now that I, brought, that I brought you all back up, back into the grinder? Yeah, sure. sure. Let's talk about Ubisoft! Great. Uh, where do you even start with this one? Um, oh, this one's real bad. Yeah, this one's... Fuck. Alright, All right, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll hop right into it. Alright, so... Um, they're, all right, so Ubisoft is working on a Tom Clancy mobile game called Elite Squad. Yeah, and to interject for a second, this is a game that has so far up to this point been kind of notoriously absent in information. Like, it's shown off, like, which if it was a hero shooter, if it was a mobile game, like, it, it, yeah. it wasn't clear what the fuck this game was. Like, part of the reveal for it this year at the Not E3 thing was, yo, Sam Fisher's in it. And so, alright, so essentially, like, they Ubisoft decided to go all in into the current, I'm saying current right-wing conspiracy that Black Lives Matter is a, is a big conspiracy to undermine authority and it's actually a terrorist organization. They've decided to make that the fucking plot of their newest game. So, the Umbra, the global terrorist network, so... Protesters claim to promote an egalitarian utopia to gain popular support, while behind the scenes, Umbra organizes deadly terrorist attacks to generate even more chaos and weaken governments. And to top it off, to make it certain, to basically them telling us that they're not just saying any protesters, they're saying specifically BLM, they use the specific BLM imagery of the raised fist, which has been a civil rights symbol since the civil rights era, essentially for equality for for B and has been used by BLM and they use the not just any raised fist they use the specific one that's being used as the current black lives matter symbol yeah the it, current one that they're using right now they literally just copied it and put it into the game yeah where the name umbra doesn't look great all things considered gives you some wiggle room the iconography they're using is damning at this point and the whole plot of it is protesters protesting for equality are actually secretly terrorists, which is literally a current right-wing smear campaign and, and, and fucking uh, conspiracy theory about Black Lives Matter and the greater just fight for equality. That's what they've been saying about this for years, and it's something that's being spread around right fucking now. And it's real fucking gross that Ubisoft would make this literally the plot of a goddamn game. Fuck you, Ubisoft. You're just continuing to be goddamn fucking trash. Yep. What the fuck? I mean, is it surprising considering what their fucking executive team look like and what they've been resigning under and all that shit? Yeah, like, no, it's it not fucking, fucking surprising. Surprise? Yeah, but it's like, what the shit? I mean, whereas, you know, Activision is leaning into, you know, a commercial that's not going to be a part of the plot of the game, but still a, a ad that basically mainstreams conspiracy theory, Ubisoft, 
says, hold my beer, and literally makes that the plot of a game. Yeah. Makes a right-wing smear campaign, a current smear campaign on a current movement as the plot of their fucking game. And the only thing they've done, like, as a response is, we'll take out the fist imagery, the raised fist imagery. But you still have a plot that's saying fighting for civil rights and equality is literally a terrorist conspiracy. That's still the, the fucking plot of your game. You need to just throw this game in the goddamn trash, is what you should fucking do. What the actual fucking fuck. Yep. Happy story? Sure. <laughs> sure, I guess I'm done ranting about <laughs> yeah, Ubisoft I'm... being fucking racist fucking ass. No, yeah, it's, it's more, I'm not sure we, either, we have anything more necessarily to say on that one. It's like, let's, let's not dwell too much if we can, because we'll just make ourselves angry. Yeah. Uh, so let's go with a not a neutral story, I guess. Uh, Unity is moving towards IPO. Why is this important? It will make it will make Unity bigger and more accessible. Yeah. In case people don't know what that means, that means a uh, initial public offering, which is they are moving to be traded uh, as a stock, essentially, and public ownership. And this does bring with it a couple complications. Where on one hand, it does open the company up to an influx of cash, which lets them do a lot of things. It does potentially bring in kind of outside influences, which is, I think, the one of the concerns about this. But generally speaking, companies don't go evil overnight because of IPOs. And it's more just kind of a, it's a nice positive thing to come out of 2020, even in the gaming industry. Like, Unity does good work. They should be rewarded for it. Yep. Yeah, I, the, yeah, I see the, up. you know, there again, yeah, the, the possible positives and negatives. Yeah. And- yeah, uh, yeah. IPO doesn't just mean that it's automatically going to be controlled by these stock. I mean, uh, Epic is still ultimately controlled by Tim Sweeney. I mean, for example, yeah. it's you know, for better or for worse, he still controls the company, Tim even though that they are public. Sweeney. Yeah, even though they are publicly traded, you know, they are they are they are a company that has stocks. So, but, indeed. Yeah. Alright, our our last kind of truly depressing, horrible news this week. Uh, I think it was a month or two back now, we talked about Lab Zero, the maker of Skullgirls, one of the... Uh, what was the official title of that guy? Um, owner? Yeah, I mean, he was basically one of the, the founder and director. Least, yeah. Maybe not being a great individual. Uh, at the time, we kind of definitely condemned him for definitely saying the wrong thing at the time, and kind of choosing to double down on it rather than kind of maybe see what's in the wrong. Well, we're getting the kind of comeuppance from that whole situation as devs are exiting Lab Zero games. Makes sense because of this dude. And essentially what, you know, before what we reported on was sort of him making inappropriate sexual comments. But now it's like his de- these exiting developers are saying, the he caught he was causing the entire atmosphere of the company to be really terrible, like the accusing a you know s- pattern of systemic abuse and lack of empathy, while refusing to accept feedback and not showing willingness to change, and that is a statement from uh, one of the people leaving Brian June. So yeah, uh. They, he should be gone. They should get rid of him. He, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they're losing some very important people for 
both current and upcoming games. So you have Indivisible creative director Muriel Kunuko Cartwright leaving, and an animator that works on both Indivisible and Skullgirls, Jonathan Kim. All accusing, basically accusing very similar things. Well, I guess kind of one of the more important things to take away from this, too, that kind of gets buried a lot of these times, like, for better, like, despite, like, all the shit that leads up to these, most of the times we talk about this, the person that gets accused does ultimately leave. In this case, Mm. Mike, what's his last name? Um, Zymont. Zymont has very actively and publicly chosen that to take the stance of everyone but him that's kind of accusing him of this is wrong, and no, he doesn't have to change, and that's the bigger problem in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so essentially, like, also another claim is that he gave all employees until August 31st to leave if they're unsatisfied, and yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's abusive. That's abusive behavior yep. by by the head of a studio, by anybody in power. That's That alone can tell you that this is this is not a good environment. It's too bad because you know they've there there's been some good work done here. Yeah. By developers and if they're going to chase away some of their very important people to keep a studio head that's apparently not really contributing to the company in any positive way. Mm-hmm. If they if they want to see their studio collapse, this is the quick way to do so. Yeah. All right. Move on from that to give you a happy, uplifting one that's actually just kind of genuinely fun. Nothing negative about <laughs> this at all. We kind of dive into just some general gaming news. Fall Guys is now officially the most downloaded PlayStation Plus free game. Not most downloaded game on PlayStation, just of the free offerings through PlayStation Plus. It is now the number one downloaded one, which is, yeah, power to it. Fall Guys Fall is Guys. pretty... I don't know if you guys have played it. Have you guys played Fall Guys at all? Yeah, we talked about it a nope. couple weeks ago, I think. Last week, two weeks ago. Okay. It's a fun game. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I don't think me and Henry were quite as into it as you well, are. Well, I haven't played it. Oh, yeah, it's... I think it's cute. It's not for me. It feels like a Mario Party game. Hmm. Which is nothing wrong with. that. That's an incredibly successful franchise that sold millions of copies, and people obviously seem to enjoy it. It doesn't change the fact that Mario Party makes me want to bite a cinder block. <laughs> Congrats, Fall Guys. You are straight up killing it. May your servers not burn to the ground, because they sure seem like they might. Yeah. Are any of you following the Fall Guys Twitter? It's pretty fantastic. The Fall, Fall Guys Twitter is fucking hilarious. Especially when they were messing with Tim the Tatman. Yeah. That was fucking great. So. Oh, man. Fuck you, Yellow Team. That's all I got. Yeah. All right. So in this in this week of kind of downer news, we do have some just genuine game news to get through of, with announces. It's cool. You guys want to do Gamescom opening night or um Nintendo first? Uh, let's do Nintendo real quick. All right. Do that Nintendo. So Nintendo had a surprise direct, which is pretty cool. Um, as the name implies, it was indeed a surprise, so we didn't know much about it. Let's kind of burn through the, what happened in it real quick. Uh, Kingdoms of Heart Melody of Memory, a rhythm-based Kingdom Hearts music game with eight-player local mode. Uh, it's coming out November 13th. Let It Go will be in it, so... Wait, 
Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, a rhythm-based yep. Kingdom Hearts. So, Kingdom Hearts DDR? Basically. Yeah. Or Beat, or beat, beat Mania. You know, a Beat Mania type game. Yeah. Yep. That's what you Kingdom Hearts fans get. You get a fucking rhythm mint, game. Uh, you get Osu instead of a new Kingdom Hearts. I'm not sure they want new Kingdom Hearts after the last Kingdom Hearts, but... <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to see how they count this as lore somehow. Oh, it's it's canon, my friend. It's the most <sighs> canon thing they've put out in a while. <laughs> but more importantly, let it go in the game. I'm sorry, it's just... The Kingdom Hearts DDR, holy shit. Oh, man. Oh, okay. I got that out of my system. I just... Sorry. Because <laughs> that's what the fans fucking wanted. It's a fucking DDR game for Kingdom <laughs> I did. I did not expect the strikes to record with Alex. Holy shit, I'm so sorry. I can't hold You're it. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts fans. If this has brought you this level of joy, please let us know. <laughs> hey, look, guys, I know the fucking last game was pretty shitty and the storyline was really convoluted, but hey, now you can dance to the rhythm of uh, your sadness with Kingdom Hearts' melody of memory. Oh, you can do it with eight friends who also feel fucked over by the franchise storyline. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Coming to a Midwest anime convention near you, it's Kingdom Hearts' <sighs> melody of memory. <laughs> we're gonna have to edit this out at some point because i'm probably gonna keep laughing for all right uh as alex leans away from the mic so we can continue let's talk about uh the next announcement out of this uh puyo puyo tetris 2 got announced Which uh is December. a ridiculous the first one is a ridiculous mashup December eighth, like, you can join in with Puyo Puyo Tetris Two. Okay, cool. It's got a skill battle mode. Alex, I'm I'm sorry, this might break you again. Uh, Just Dance 2021 comes out November twelfth. Uh, that was not gonna break me because it's I not thought really... it might remind you of the Kingdom Hearts rhythm game. Sorry, that's no, all. No, it's it's okay. But Just Dance is Just Dance. They they get to the point. It's not convoluted with some other bullshit story it's stuff. Dancing. It's just hey, you know what we are? Just Dance. What if Kingdom Hearts' new game is the pinnacle? It's what finally makes all of the canon make sense. Uh, it's just simple and clean. I fair enough. <laughs> uh, uh, World of Tanks that, Blitz is now available. Is now available on the Switch. Is that a new Optimal version of World of Tanks, or am I thinking of another? I World think that's just the game. current version of World of Tanks. I I don't know. I don't follow World of Tanks or World of Ships or World of Planes or. World of jet skis, or world of speedboats, or world of sailboats, or what I'm making is a lot of world of games that are hard to keep track of each other. I met a guy that used to stream World of Tanks professionally, and good lord, that this dude seemed depressed. Yeah, <laughs> he just needs to dance to the rhythm of fucking your heart. Apparently, your <laughs> yeah. Fucking King Hearts melody of every. All right, so uh, we got another look at Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles uh, Remastered. Mm -hmm. 
I can't tell if that thing's is that thing officially out yet. Because if it is, I have to go check it out. No, it's not out yet. So it's out. Or no, I guess it would be yeah. out. Yeah, it's out now. It's August twenty seventh. So it's out by now. It wasn't out at the time they were showing it off. But yeah, I need to go check that out. I love that game when it was back on the GameCube and required a fucking Game Boy Advance to play the co op version of. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, there's there's a lot of fucking problems with this game. I'm reading some of the reviews on it, and it's really not looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like it's having some issues. But... You go dive into that bullshit because that the ideas of what that game initially were were interesting. The execution of it may have not been great. I'm kind of curious how that whole nightmare has aged. It's one of, if not the first, Final Fantasy games to feature real time combat, which I thought was really cool at the time. But yeah. All right, next up, Big Boxing Rumble Creed Edition. Got announced coming next spring or coming, I guess, this spring at this point. It's got okay, Adonis yeah. Creed and Rocky Balboa in it, so yeah. And Adonis Creed, who's the in the mm. current Creed movies. I thought I said that. Uh, uh, I heard yeah. Apollo Creed. Oh, sorry, I should have said Adonis Creed. My bad. I may have been thinking of Apollo Creed. But yeah, yeah he plays them. His son. Yeah. It's got multiplayer in it, which I'm assuming is boxer versus boxer, but if it's like a brawler game, that could be cool. I don't think it is. <laughs> a uh a uh, boxing game uh, royale. Rocky slash Creed of the Streets. Streets of Creed? Uh, that, that sounds like a different game. Uh, I'm going to butcher this one. But All right, so. Taiko no Tarjutsu. Taiko no Tatsujin. So Rhythmic, that's the rhythm Adventure Taiko Pack. playing game. And yeah, Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythmic Adventure Pack. Is going to be coming out in the winter. Yep, that's a fun series. It's and I see how it work would work really well with the Switch. You okay. Shake them Joy Cons the controllers. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's a that's a fun game. So, yeah, one to oh. look forward to. Also up by now, Subasa: Rise of New Champions is a soccer game. I've... Yeah, Captain Subasa, which is a long running uh, manga in uh, in Japan, very popular soccer. Manga in Japan, so okay, yeah. Does it have like not... crazy anime bullshit for the powers in it? As long as it's not uh, just yeah, kind not not as over the top. I would say mm. you'll you get some really cool kind of scenes, but not like magical level powers. Sure, I want like uh, Mario Strikers level bullshit, where like Luigi made the ball turn into a chain shop and go right for that goal. No, no, it's it's not going to be. It'll be. There'll be more realism, but I suspect there'll be some dramatic and kind of interesting, fun stuff in there too. It's got some but, like dramatic cutscene stuff right now that I'm seeing on the trailer that looks really fucking yeah. cool. It gives you know what yeah. it gives me? It gives me um, kung fu, not kung fu, so uh, Shaolin soccer vibes. If you remember. Okay, that. yeah. So it it is kind of adjacent to what I want out of that thing then. Certain, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. yeah. Not as wild. I want not a sports game with super moves. Yeah. yeah, it looks good though. Yeah, and, and it's it, coming to it's coming to Steam as well, so it's not only on the Switch. But. Yeah. Oh, I may actually. You know what? I'm not a big sports game person normally, but I think this may convince me to give this a go. It looks pretty fucking cool. See, I kind of like soccer games, and I've played the Pro Evolution Pro Evo series for quite a while, but uh, yeah. But yeah, it does look like, yeah, it's definitely like Anime the Soccer Game. Yeah. 
All right, next up, Minecraft Dungeons is getting uh, some DLC called Creeping Winter out in September. So, yeah, makes sense. Uh, Jump Force is getting, uh, got another expansion, um, a deluxe edition. So, I don't think either any of us play Jump Force. So, yeah, that's the thing that happened. Jump Force is still alive? That's impressive. The the, <laughs> the weeb fighting game community, and I'm talking the true weeb community, mm-hmm. like, not the Blaze Blue crowd. They get into this type of shit. But, like, the, it, I've seen what that game looks like, and even for, like, quote-unquote weeb crowds, that game is oh no, garbage. It, it, you're not understanding the, like, selling point of it's a game where I can make Naruto fight Goku. Just get a fucking mod for, like, the Dragon Ball Z or the Naruto I, fighter pack. It's easier than paying. I'm not saying there aren't other ways of doing this, but this is now... Official Naruto vs. Goku. Yep. And it throws in a lot of the other kind of popular yeah. jump stuff in there. I mean, you've got JoJo stuff in there too, so. The, the JoJo stuff's probably the only redeeming thing in that right now. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <clears throat> is always good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we got Collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend, which comes out December 15th, which is. I apologize if I get this wrong. It's <laughs> Final Fantasy Legend plus two numbered sequels all in one pack as a 30th mm. anniversary collection. Is that correct? Yeah. So apparently, so a little backstory on that. There, So there's a entire other series called the Saga series, like Saga Frontier and like, there, there's a lot of Saga games if you look into it. It's its own series, but when it first, like kind of the first few games are put out <laughs> in internationally they were put out as final fantasy games instead of like they're called final fantasy legend and, and and such and so they weren't called their original titles they were just put out as being final fantasy games uh but yeah that's that's why that there's this they're calling this the final fantasy saga games mm. uh collection of saga final fantasy legend because yeah it's actually Saga, but they called it Final Fantasy Legend internationally. So they're just kind of leaning into that, I guess. Because that's more recognizable internationally. But yeah, those were Game Boy games. The Final Fantasy Legend games were Game Boy games. So yeah. I'll be interested to see how they uh, remake them, but I probably won't. That's not anything I'd probably end up playing. Last but not least, Harmonics, maker of Rock Band, are making a game called Non-Stop Digital Music Festival. No, it's called Fuser. Fuser. Oh. No, sorry, yes, it's sorry. It is a Non-Stop Digital Music Festival. <clears throat> it's called Fuser. It's out this fall. So, yeah, that's coming down the pipe at you. Yeah, you can now press play and recreate EDM in your own home. Looks like they've got a lot of popular artists thrown in here. Um, yeah, a bunch of songs. They got. I'm actually surprised. They have, like, 50 Cent, uh, was it Blue Oyster Cult, Cardi B's in here. Okay, that's the oh. first person you mentioned on this list that I'm like, what have they not, what have they been up to lately? They got Flo Rida. Okay, I'm back blues. to, what have they been up to lately? <laughs> it's an old song, though. Um, I, oh, dude, my point. I, I am sold. Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe's in this game. I barely yep. know who 50 Cent is. Who are the rest of these people? <laughs> Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Uh, Sean Paul Temperature. Post Malone, of course. Fuck yep. yeah, Sean Paul Temperature. 
Macklemore. Uh, Macklemore's nice. got some tracks in here. Pitbull. Of course, you got to include some Pitbull. You're Mr. Yeah. Worldwide there, Alex. Mr. Worldwide? Yeah. Uh, oh, of course, you can't, you can't have a DJ uh, game without Dead Mouse. You got ghosts and stuff in there. Uh, yep. X gonna give it to you with DMX. Fuck yeah. <clears throat> Fat Boy Slim, Rockefeller Skank. Yeah, there's supposed to be over 100 songs, but. But can I make my own Firefest? When do I get Firefest Simulator? I don't know, but I'm sold 100%. Smash Mouth All Star. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I, if yeah, I DJ, please. that'll be the last song I play so I can we, tell we, people it's, it's all ogre now. We, we need to move <laughs> on. It's all ogre now. We need to move on. Ogre. M- moving on to the city. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Melody game. Uh. All right, so this is a quick one. The uh, A game that came out, I think it was last year, two years ago now, that uh, ultimately kind of didn't make a huge splash. But was a, this is more important because it calls back to a topic we talked about, God, I think like six months to a year ago now. And it starts off innocuously. Uh, the game Sinking City has been pulled from Steam and other storefronts because its publisher, Nancon, has made this decision. It's doing this because it's... Um, sorry, developer Nancon has made this decision. Sorry, Nancon is... That, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting these parts confused. It's being developed... It's developed by... I think it's Frog? What's the name for this? Frogwares. Thing? Frogwares, which is a name you might remember. Sounds as familiar. As They've done these Nancon. Sherlock Holmes games. Yes, and what happened to those Sherlock Holmes games? Yeah. I there was a giant know. fucking legal battle about that, about who actually owned that shit after a certain point. Yep, but now we're getting a similar battle over royalties, essentially. Yep. Or, yeah. Or not just, yeah, royalties. Possibly up to what they're claiming, up to one million euros of royalties being uh, being owed to the developers from the publishers. So that's that's real bad and weird. Yeah, and this is I think the second time this has happened in recent memory to Frogware. Hmm. Oh yeah, it's been delisted. You can buy it direct from Frogware's site right now, though, if you want it that badly, or from the eShop apparently uh, for Nintendo. Interesting that Nintendo still has it. I don't quite get how that relationship works, but I've always gotten the impression it's a little bit more direct from the developer. For a lot of the stuff, like, Sinking City's weird, where it's like it's like that double-A game, where it's not quite a triple-A, it's not big enough budget-wise to be, like, that big-ass game, but it's definitely not an indie game anymore, it's that weird kind of in-between zone. Hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. I meant to pick it up, but kind of I heard it wasn't great, and I was waiting for it to go down in price because it's a Lovecraft game, and I do love my HP Lovecraft games. Mm-hmm. Got that Cthulhu. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons like I'm so interested in a Lovecraft country. It you know because that is a more than a passing. It, it well, I mean for those that don't know, like lo- like the Lovecraft mythos is one of the reasons I have the wrestling name and kind of other brand otherwise brand name of Track and Zero. That's a part of that influence. Man was all about them tentacles. Yep. Alright. Uh, back to our kind of neutral news, I guess. Um, Gamescom! 
Gamescom. It is ongoing as we speak. It's an online kind of version of the world. Uh, we had a opening night festivities, if you will, which was a big live stream. It had some games as part of it. Uh, the pre-show trailers, we got a look at Scarlet Nexus, a pre-announced game. I think they showed this off at some E3 thing, but it appeared... Like, it's not officially the sequel to Code Vein, but sure as fuck looks like it's the sequel to Code Vein. It's made by the same studio and everything. It's got that anime art style to it. It's got kind of a Devil May Cry, Dark Souls-y thing going on. Uh, it's got the anime girls. It's got the anime demon things. I appears to be a video game for people that are into this type of video game. It looks flashy. We got a look at Quantum Error, which that actually does look pretty goddamn cool. I'm not sure if it's a horror game or kind of a Bioshock-esque game. This will be a PS5 game. It looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Also got to look at Dirt 5. Indeed. Which, uh... It's Dirt 5. Either yep. you're into Dirt 5 at this point or you're not. Yep. And, well, I guess kind of the, the, the big one from the pre-show was we got to look at Jurassic World Evolution... The Complete Edition, a game that, if you're into Park Sims, is probably a bit of a dream game. Uh, yep. it's, I heard good things about the previous one. It's coming to the Switch and all that jazz, so you now have no more excuses. You get to run Jurassic Park, or Jurassic World, I guess, technically, but... Dinosaur. Or a uh, dinosaur zoo game. Yep. Already talked about it some, but the uh, aforementioned uh, Black Ops trailer dropped as part of this. We've got to look at uh, The Ancient Gods, the expansion for Doom Eternal. Yeah, that looks, looks like more, definitely looks like more Doom. Yep. There's a submarine in it. We now understand, we, we will, we'll finally get an answer about whether or not Doom Guy is too angry to drown. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a bit of a departure, though. Like, where, the pre where Doom Eternal is obviously very demon-focused... This one seems to be adding in some other elements. It's still got the demons, if you will, but it seems to be like it's branching out the Doom lore to not just demons, but other mythologies. I guess maybe the correct takeaway is this Ross is like Doom meets God of War, where he's like, "I'm done fighting the gods of this pantheon." Well, so Let's go fuck over a, these gods instead. Eternal did a weird job of expanding what was in Doom, like it. It took it from being like, yeah, they're demons to something else. Like it, we call them demons because we think of them as demons, but like other cultures have thought of them in different ways, and the demons don't think of themselves as demons. Like it seems to kind of play with that notion of things, where like those other giant fuck off superpowers out there mm. on like a cosmic scale. Next up, we uh, got the announcement of uh, Surgeon Simulator 2, courtesy of Doc Brown. Uh, this that looks like Surgeon Simulator. They've expanded yeah. the room. You can go to the heart supply closet, which... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bioware showed up with some uh, new Dragon Age stuff. No, Nothing really official about that game, except, yep, it's still under development. It's a thing. Hmm. It felt very much like a dev diary piece done in the age of COVID of people like standing outside in the woods, not near each other, talking about a video game. Uh, new Sam and Max game got teased. Not quite clear what that is, but if it's a Sam and Max game, it's a Sam and Max game, hopefully. Yep. 
How do you feel about the trailer for the new uh, WoW stuff, Alex? That also got dropped as part of this. I mean, it's just an official release trailer, so it's always going to have the same look of that. Um, if there's a trailer you do want to see for it, um, there's so what they did recently with BFA. One of the things I actually kind of did like out of BFA is they did a kind of a prologue trailer, like cinematic wise, leading up to the game. Um, and they did one for um, BFA, which was specifically actually it goes back to Legion, but when they did it for BFA was they kind of covered the three like focuses as far as like heroes, if you will. Sure. They had a Jaina trailer, they had a trailer for Sylvanas, and they had another one for someone else, and I can't remember it all of a sudden. But it was like a focus Solfang? on them. Huh? Was it uh Solfang or have you pronounced his name? The Orc dude. Uh, Sarfang? I, th- I think those are separate ones, but... Because um, they, they don't do it in, like, a CGI style. It's kind of sure. like... They do these really cool art panel-esque kind of trailers, but they're drawn. Um, There's a really good one right now that just came out. I guess they're doing one called Afterlives, which talks about... It's going to be a four-part miniseries um, where they kind of show off a little bit on each each kind of the four places in the Shadowlands. Um, the first one they did was Bastion, and it actually covers Uther Lightbringer, if you remember Uther. Um, I, can I don't know if you follow... Hmm? Uh, he, was the guy, he was the guy Arthas killed in Warcraft 3. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, he was the teacher of Arthas, actually, too. Um, he does this really cool thing. I don't want to spoil the cinematic, but you should definitely watch it. Um, that kind of expands a little bit on the lore about the Lich King. Um, and that being said, we have actually seen traces of the Lich King, or rather, not Lich King, because there's a different Lich King now, but Arthas, Arthas. showing up again. Arthas, the fuck these paladins. So, um, I, like, even if, like, I don't know if you follow the lore a little bit, but you should definitely check it out. It's, it's, it's weird, like, as much as Shadowlands I'm kind of whatever about, like, if Arthas is indeed back... It raises the very interesting question of, like, is this Arthas pre-Frostmourne? Like, where he still had some humanity and was kind of just a dumbass? Or no, like, does it's... the Arthas that goes to hell, like, Lich King Arthas? It's... So you don't really get to see too much on it, but, like, definitely check it out. Um, I think it was really, really, really cool. Um, like I said, I just don't want to give... Uh, what is it? I don't want to. Sure, yeah, no, yeah. It's more kind of as a curiosity for me, like the idea of putting like the king of the undead into the king of the actual dead. Like it's like, oh shit, the Lich King should never be allowed to go to the Great Beyond. Why? Dude will have too much power there. Yeah, he already traffics in death power. Yeah, go go and check it out. It's yeah, I'll track him down. Uh, Crash 4, they revealed a little more of that, so that's something called Flash Tapes as part of that. Um, could be puzzle rooms, so that's the thing. We got another look at uh, Little Nightmares 2, uh, a game from back in the old SWS days. We uh, I think Jeff did a stream of Little Nightmares. It's a horror game from kind of the perspective of children, so it's appropriately creepy and things are weird. We got our first look at Squadrons, the Star Wars game. We got the look at the single-player game. It looks like a flight sim game, single-player. It's probably bombastic and Star Wars patriotic. Uh, what's the correct word <laughs> for that? 
uh, fan service. Yeah, that's probably correct. The Sims 4 is getting a Star Wars-themed expansion, complete with lightsabers. <laughs> Star Wars Journey to Batu. Oh, God. Yes, introduce lightsabers into The Sims 4. That's... Well, so... Uh, I, if, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to have to confirm this. Disastrous. Like, so this is extra weird for me because, if I'm not mistaken, Batu is the name for Star Wars Land, the one at Disney World. It is. Okay. So you're going to a theme park in The Sims. Well, to the world that the theme park's based no, on. No, the theme park is know. canon. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying... But they're not going to a theme park. Yes, yeah. It's just that they're going to a planet. Oh, yeah, no, it says... Yeah, it's a planet of Batu, the same planet where the theme park Galaxy X is located in Star Wars. Yep. So, yeah. That is some weird three-dimensional chess my brain was not prepared to think about today. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of cool, actually. I'm gonna take back my congratulations on that. That seems fun. Yeah, no, no. I I was more laughing on just like the idea of introducing lightsabers into like the the rolling kind of fun disaster that is The Sims. The, you know, the, the, the perpetual chance just... to be the Saw game we always wanted. That is The Sims. <laughs> yeah, I would like to play a game this time with lightsabers. <laughs> a lightsaber game. And I'd watch that Saw movie, Saw in Space. <laughs> Alright, we got a look at Mafia Definitive Edition. Um, those who don't remember what Mafia Definitive Edition is, it's all three of the Mafia games kind of rolled up into one game. Uh, this is especially interesting because, well, first two games you play as a Italian stereotype, and the third one you play as one of the angriest rightfully so black protagonists to murder the Ku Klux Klan in a long time, and I loved that game for that aspect of it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, this one focuses very heavily on, I guess, kind of the storyline that links the first two Mafia games, but I, I, I love the third one just for the simple white supremacy murder simulator it is, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like people in Red Dead Online that kind of enjoy, yeah, uh, uh, wiping out the KKK. Yeah. We got a look at Lego Star Wars, the Star uh, Skywalker Saga, which I still believe this is a unification of all the Star Wars games. Sorry, Lego Star Wars games we've had so far. It has been delayed until 2021, though. Uh, there are clever moments, as always, with these things. Uh, blue milk mustaches, pogs on top of pogs, being people in a trench coat. I, truly the cutest set. It's got Waddle in it, which is just fucking Yoda with hair, which I know to some people is a big fucking deal. That's right, Yaddle, not Waddle. Oh, that is great. We got our first look at Fall Guys Season 2, which is going all medieval on our asses as best we can tell. It's adding Vikings, knight armors, all that stuff as costumes you can dress your Fall Guy up in. I really hate I watched that Devolver Digital stream a while back where they called Fall Guys Delicious. And now I can't, like, anytime I mention Fall Guys, I'm like, I do wonder if they're delicious to eat. And or I would totally eat a Fall Guy. Well, they're beans, so... The implication is that they're always wearing costumes, actually. Like, underneath the costume is a thing. They're not beans. Like, there's been some weirdly creepy fan art out there of, like, the mask being removed. It's like a horror monster underneath there. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, new, uh... What's the right games, maps coming to Fall Guys as part of this? Uh, more cooperative stuff that involves like moving around things, which that seems actually like it could be kind of cool. Like it's more of an obstacle course at that point. Uh, as always, fuck Yellow Team. 
<laughs> it, it's that's at some deep cutting Fall Guy lore for those who don't know anything about Fall Guy. We're getting a Medal of Honor game. That's a sense I never expected to say ever again in my life. Uh, yeah, coming to Oculus apparently. <laughs> So now you too can via VR experience the horrors that are World War Two, mm-hmm. or a Medal of Honor game. That always just seems real weird to me. Yeah, I I enjoy this trailer for the simple fact that you get to bash a Nazi over the head with appears to be like a bust of Bach or something. So I'm all in for that part of this game. I a Medal of Honor game, not so much. The disembodied floating hands does seem to be a weird choice for this thing, but the whole topic. Destiny Beyond Light, we got to look at those subclasses. Uh, that ice power looks real cool for the stasis abilities. Yeah. I, for one, look forward to uh, mainlining a Revent, which is what they're calling the Hunter class. Mm. I, there's another trailer out there that shows some more kind of second-to-second gameplay. They're being real tight-lipped in a real interesting way about how the ice powers will affect the game, but it sure as fuck looks like you can shatter things, which could be really cool. Yeah. Sorry, Warlocks, you got stuck with the name Shadebinder, which initially kind of cool is lame <laughs> as shit. Doesn't matter to me. What, you're not happy to be a Shadebinder, Alex? I'm gonna be cool with Shadebinder, no problem. <clears throat> Dang, don't you bother me. You can be a Revenant, or a, a Col- I, jug- I think it's other one's called a uh, Colossus for Titan. Appears to be appropriately Titan Smash. Behemoth, my bad, my bad. Other large, yeah. giant monster creature. We got another gameplay look at the Ratchet and Clank PS5 exclusive, Rift Apart. Right, it looks like more Ratchet and Clank. I wish one of us was a Ratchet and Clank fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's it for the first round. I'm sure more stuff to come as we move through this. Uh, some other trailers that happened, I guess, were Unknown uh, Nine Awakening, Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Stormgrounds. That's the most... um colons ever in a title for a video game ever. <laughs> Some more Outriders happened. I'm really hoping we get more on Outriders as part of Gamescom because that might be my next diversion from Destiny Looter Shooter and or maybe that's what I go to next because Anthem was a fucking bust. Uh, WWE Battlegrounds is a thing that got showed off. Godfall continues to be a thing, unfortunately. 12 mm-hmm. minutes got some more kind of press time as part of this. Override 2 Super Mecha League is a sentence I will never stop saying, apparently. I'll have to check that thing out in more meaningful detail. Lemon. Lemnisgate? Lemonsgate? How do you pronounce L M E N I S? Lemnisgate? Yeah. I got shown off as part of this. Uh, Struggling Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition, Chorus Wasteland 3, which is out now, and Spellbreak also got some time as part of this, but yeah. Gamescom is upon us. It's from like two weeks long, isn't it? Week long? Two weeks long? Mm, I'm not sure. We'll see. I'm not sure how digital Gamescom is going to work exactly, but I suspect more next week from the Gamescom. Eh, but most importantly, last but not least, to kind of leave you on a happy, uplifting note, we have our last news article of the week. To kind of bring you up after all the depressing ass shit we've talked about this week and Gamescom and Fall Guys eating. Children of Morta. Sorry, the the latest DLC for Children of Mortas. That charity, that, that all the proceeds are going to charity. And specifically to the Humane Society yeah. International. Yeah, the paws and claws. It's thematic. it's thematic because this particular DLC is uh, called Paws and Claws. 
So it's about yeah. You know, about animals. Pets, so Yep. That does that's it for super cool. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, that's it for news. Uh, we have run a little bit on the long side, so we're going to push uh, email once again to next week. We're not ignoring them. We're just kind of having technical difficulties that are running these podcasts long as fuck on our end. So, yeah. We got an email for you, Alex. Don't worry. We'll get to oh, it. Oh, jeez. That'll be good. I-, I think you'll have the most to say about it, potentially. But <laughs> as our resident Overwatch expert. You been playing that still? Overwatch? Yeah. Barely. When I'm yeah. bored. I'm probably going to jump into doing um more uh, Fall Guys or Destiny 2 just because Overwatch depresses me. <laughs> well, this email will be on brand then. But so, yeah, send the, some more emails in at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Send them in. We love hearing from you. At least I've had two long podcasts in a row. But yeah. That does it for this week. Anything you two want to talk about before we close this sucker out? Um, other than keep an eye out for my World of Warcraft Shadowlands release stream. Uh, that will be starting sometime October 26th, closer to 4 uh, That's over a month away, dude. That's almost a month and a half away at this point. Exactly. So, just announcing it nice and early now, so. But yeah. And that'll be Mave Online on all my platforms, Facebook Gaming, Twitch, YouTube Gaming, no longer Mixer because they're dead. Um, yeah, I'm Kraken Zero, that's Z-E-R Zero on Facebook and Instagram. If I'm up to anything, you'll be on there. I still haven't been streaming, really, so... <laughs> and not real sure when I'll start, but yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, it seems my schedule these days is Thursday and Saturday for streams, uh, I keep saying it's not going to be Destiny-focused, but then my clan keeps planning stuff that I want to do with them, and I wind up streaming it because it's on Thursdays and Saturdays, so yeah, that'll be that for that time being. Uh, once I get comfortably okay at Elite Dangerous, there'll probably be some nice, relaxed Space Trucker streams that I may try and do something silly for, but we'll see on that one. I got a motorcycle helmet somewhere still. But, yeah, I, I can be fine as Mordak on Twitch. That's where I'm doing all that these days. I'm not really spreading the brand all over the place like I've had in the past. It's just one place. Streams happen when they happen. If they happen. Yeah. Is that it for this week? We don't, is it time to close it out? I think it is. Cue the metal. Yeah.